says that the meeting is now streaming live on YouTube. Yep. About to just share this link out really fast. And then from our other people, for everybody viewing the playback right now, you might have to fast forward a few minutes, just getting these links out to Twitter. We'll be with you in just a mother effing moment. What's up, people in the chat? Hope y'all got y'all planting chips ready. Quarantine bay on deck. All right, let's put that out there. All right, that's out in the world. Let me get rid of this one. Boom. What's up, people? It's Hope Tab Jesus. I'm back. Another big brain talk. Another epic, epic big brain talk. I don't think y'all understand what we got for y'all today. Y'all not ready. You think you might be ready, but y'all not ready. But before we get into the interview today, y'all already know. Today's episode is sponsored by Wazo. We're talking about artificial intelligence today. I have an artificial intelligence company. We're working on deals with smart with um, smart buildings right now, commercial buildings. Working on a deal right now with over 100 buildings across the United States. Uh, WazoSecurity.com. You can find that link in the description box. Specialize in um, artificial intelligence, facial recognition, weapon detection, fall detection, uh, body counts, people counts, uh, uh, you name it, you name it. We're, we're tracking it with the surveillance, this artificial intelligence surveillance. But without further ado, um, you know, a lot of people ask me, they say, you know, how did I get to the point where I'm at today? And I always say it's about knowledge, it's about studying um, and, and really, you know, sitting down and and knowing things, right? Like studying, you know, impressing upon yourself the importance of knowledge. And one of the people I ran across in my studies was uh, a gentleman I got here today, Mr. Kamene, Kabahai Watha Kamene. And he, he contributed um, not only to my own knowledge base, but he dropped something on me and I'm gonna take with me forever. And I remember I was watching one of his lectures and he was talking about um, Miles Davis and he mentioned this album called Sketches of Spain. And whenever I need to like work, there's only two things I'm gonna play. The Mozart or that album Sketches of Spain by Miles Davis. Y'all not familiar with that album? That album is epic, it's classic. I thank um, Dr. Kamene, uh, Kamene for helping me out and delivering that message to me. Um, Dogon Tribe, if you ever um, wanted some information about the Dogon Tribe, he talks uh, a lot about that. I sat down one time, I think he had a lecture in London uh, over three hours. I consumed all of it. Took me a couple of days, but I consumed all of it. I might've consumed all of his content that was on the internet pre-2016. But without further ado, I'd like to introduce to y'all, good brother here, Dr. Kabahai Watha Kamene. How you doing, my brother? My brother, I am doing fine. Hotep to you, Hotep Jesus. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be with you. It's a pleasure to have this conversation. 
it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Um, trying to get my bearings here as you know, we fell into a different, um, a different, uh, room. So everybody just bear with me real fast. I want to ask you something, right? Before I looked you up on the internet, you were Booker T. Coleman. And then there was a name switch. What happened there with that? Well, I corrected my name. I tell people I didn't change my name. I corrected my name. And basically to the family, you know, this is just where I'm coming from personally. Um, it wasn't until May 10th, 2002. It was a Friday that I corrected my name legally. And it was because I had difficulty. I had cognitive dissonance. I had problems balancing, talking to the community about the conditions we find ourselves in, uh, how we came about doing or being where we are, but then still carrying the brand of the very individual that enslaved you. Uh. And so I was having problems talking to the community and at the same time, you know, being able to live with the fact that I had an enslaver's name. Uh -huh. I did a presentation in uh, Philly at the Asarset community there, right there on Germantown Avenue. And a brother came up with a little boy, his son. And he said, brother, I've been following your work. This is back in the nineties. Okay. He said, I've been following your work, brother. I got much respect, but I just got one problem with you. And I said, well, okay, what could that be? He yeah. said, you still carry the slave master's name. <laughs> and that sort of, you know, that was like, it stuck with me. I knew it. I felt it. But that stuck with me. For some reason, whether it was he and his son was there, it just stuck with me, brother. Uh. And I just had problems being able to speak on what has happened to us. And at the same time, have that brand on me. Right. And so I don't call it changing the name. I call it correcting name. And when I went to the, to the courthouse to get the papers, because at this time, you know, you didn't have online and all the rest of that. Okay. Um, or at least it wasn't where it is now, where everything is online. So you have to go in, fill out papers, hand them in. And so when I did that, the, um, one, one of the questions is, why are you changing your name? Uh because there's a lot of reasons why some, some people may owe money. Some people may be trying to escape somebody. You know, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why you might want to change your name. Right. And so I responded by saying, I'm correcting my name because I want to now be able to, to assume my cultural background uh -huh. through my name. So that when people call me, they are reminding me who I am. You see, when I went to the to my elders and those when I was trying to find a way to uh, correct my name and what name I should choose. They told me that from an ancient perspective, your name is not a noun. Like people come up and say, well, what is your name? Which creates a concept of a noun. So my name is, my name is. And so we have names that tell us who we are. But from the African perspective, the name you're given is a verb, which means that it represents your divine purpose in life. So that every time somebody calls my name, they're not calling me who I am. They're really reminding me of what it is that I have to do in life. And my name 
Kaaba Hiawatha Kamene in all of its three forms means the unifier. So my thing is to unify us as a people. Mm. That's can my job. That's what I've taken on. Can you, Say again. Can you break down phonetically Kaaba Hiawatha, the different Kamene, how these things come together okay. to mean the unifier? Yes. Kaaba, Ka is a comedic Kushite word. It means spirit. Ba means soul. So the first name is almost like an introduction, like it is the spirit of the soul. Mm. Hiawatha was a Native American from the Mohawk Nation in northeastern uh, part of the United mm. States that unified the five nations. The French misnomed them the Iroquois. They call themselves the Hodenosone. And, um, and, and um, amongst them, they were doing a lot of battle with each other. They were really destroying each other as a people. This was like around 1000 AD. They were doing a lot of battle, man, a lot of fighting. And there was an individual that was known as the dreamer. And he came and his name was Hiawatha. And he unified the five nations, the Cayuga, the Seneca, the Mohawk, the Onondaga and the Oneida. He united the five nations. And you know the idea, um, and what he did was that he had all the five nations bear witness to people in the nations that had lost the most. Cause he said to the people who lost the most, look, you lost your mother, your father, uncles, aunts, children. If people see you making peace with all that you have against each other, then everybody else who may not have that much of a beef with anybody, you know, they'll be with you. Mm -hmm. And so what uh, Hiawatha did is he went out into the Onondaga territory, which is the middle territory, and he lifted up a bush and all of the Native American peoples that were part of this peacemaking put their hatchet in the hole where the bush was, and then he put the bush back over it. That's where we get the proverb to bury the hatchet. Mm. And from that point on, the Haudenosaunee created something known as Gaia Nerekawa, which is the great law of peace. This great law of peace is actually what the constitution is modeled on. Oh yeah? Yeah, that's where they got the constitution because in the 1700s, the, there were states, they, they, they were, they were all states. Right. Um, and basically um, they had governors that ran. And so the Native Americans, in their unification, if they made a deal with New Jersey, New York might not have known about it. If okay. uh, they made a deal with Delaware, you know, Pennsylvania might not have known about it. So what, what, what they did was Conestago in 1744, went to a conference where all the so-called forefathers were. And he explained to them, look, man, you all gotta do something. By the way, if you want something on this, get a book, um, Indian Givers by Jack Weatherford. Okay. And there's a chapter in there called um, um, the the uh, fathers of the Constitution, and you'll you'll get a deeper sense of what it is that I'm saying just by because that's what introduced me to the concept. Then I started doing further research. I actually got the Gaianetikawa as a as in a book form and things like that. But mm. I just want to give the community evidence of where I've gotten what I'm telling you from. Right. Because this ain't just coming up out of my head and I'm not emotional about this. This is about science. You into AI, so you know. It's about mm. science. This ain't about emotion. Right. 
so that <clears throat> Conestego told all of these, Ben Franklin, all the rest of them, he said, look, you all got to get yourselves together. But they said, well, how do we do that? Because we come from a place where we had kings and queens. Right. So he, he offered them their concept of what they did to unify. And what they did was they, they created representatives of all of the five nations. And they were called sachems, S-A-C-H-E-M-S. The sachems represented the five nations. So according to your population depended on how many sachems you had. Okay. Because the Onondaga was the largest territory. So they would have the most representative. But out of those sachems, every one of them from every one of the different areas elected one representative to represent the entire people. So that you had five that sat on the grand council. Right. That's where you get the Senate from. Mm -hmm. The sachems is where you get the House of Representatives from. Okay. And the unif but the thing is, is that they didn't listen to them. But once they got deep inside the American Revolution and they came out and they realized, you know, we're on our own right now. What kind of government are we going to form? They said, well, remember back then when the uh, Iroquois came amongst us and was telling us that we, we needed to unify and all the rest of that. They said, well, let's bring them back and let's start to really look at how they did it so we can do it. And that was the birth of what we call, uh, you know, the unification of the so-called 13 colonies and what would eventually become the United States of America. Mm. The only thing was, is that the Native Americans said, man, when, when they saw what the, what, what the forefathers had written, they said, wait a minute. you have a problem right there. He said, in fact, you have two problems. And the forefathers said, well, what's the problem? They said, well, first of all, you done locked down your women. And amongst Native American peoples, there is no lockdown of the feminine principle. Mm. You do not make your women subservient to you. Right. They are equal. They are equal to you, period in every way, shape, and form. There is a difference, obvious, and there are different ways in which we can manifest those differences, but as human beings, they are equal. He said, if you, first of all, you ain't going nowhere with this if mm. you don't do it. And second of all, you've got Africans that are enslaved. Mm. So like, who do you mean when you say for the people, by the people, of the people? Who the people? <laughs> If an entire yeah. population is out and your whole feminine group is out, who is the people? Right. That's why we have amendments today. <clears throat> the reason why we have amendments is because of all the mistakes that were made in the original document. Mm. And mm. so Hiawatha was the beginnings of unifying these five nations. That would further lead to the unification of what we call the United States of America. Right, Last right. name, Kamene, Ka is spirit, and Mene is the first Neset Biti, or Pharaoh. We don't call them Pharaohs. We call them Neset Biti, which means the one who has the right to rule. He was the first Neset Biti of the first dynasty of the old kingdom of Kemet. And he did that by unifying the north and the south to create what is called Smatawi. So that Kaba Hiawatha Kamene, in embracing the cultures that flow through me, when you put it all together, it means the spirit of unification, mm. the act of unification. Mm. 
which now goes back to Pan-Africanism. Right, right. So let me ask you this. Um, everybody seems like has their awakening moment when they get into African consciousness. Did you have an awakening moment? Was there an event in your life? Were you raised like this? How did you come into this, to this thing? Well, because of my name, Booker Talia Farrell Coleman Jr. My father was Booker T. Coleman Sr. from Alabama. Uh, was familiar with Booker T. Washington. My father belonged to the Mother AME Zion Church here in Harlem, where the pastor was Benjamin Robeson, who was Paul Robeson's brother. Around the corner from AME is Abyssinia Baptist Church with um, the uh, Adam Clayton Powell Sr. and Jr. I grew up in culture. You know, culture was to me what water is to a fish. My, you know, my mother worked for the National Urban League and my father going to his church, growing up in projects in New York, culture, and I was born 1953. Two years later, you're gonna have Emmett Till happen. Then you're gonna have the civil rights movement happen. So all of my experiences were straight up in, in culture. But there have been things that have happened to me that have sparked a flame that was already there. Mm, like what? One thing is I had neighbors from Puerto Rico that celebrated Santeria. Now I grew up Roman Catholic, but then when I would go to my friend's house, they would be kicking it with Santeria. <laughs> Las Sietas Potencias, Espiritismo. The, the, um, the seven powers, Las Sietas Potencias, the seven powers. I mean, I was looking at black folk on the wall. I was looking at black statues. I was looking at, at various complexions also, but I never saw no black saints before. I never saw Jemaja and Oshun and Obatala. So what is very important about that Hotep Jesus, <laughs> is that I was introduced to Africa through spirituality, not through history. Okay. See, that's a very important grounding. When you are grounded in your culture through spirituality, history is one thing. It has its place. Because when I'm 12 and a half now, some of the old heads, older brothers and sisters going to bring a group of the young brothers, I was 12 and a half, up to Harlem. And they brought us to a lecture by John Henry Clark. So my first introduction to Professor Clark was when I was 12 and a half. Mm. And that was a powerful experience for me. Mm. Because when they brought all the young folk up to meet him and they came to me, they said, and this is Booker T. Coleman. He said, oh, Booker T, you're gonna be a great teacher one day. <laughs> and so that's my first introduction. The first thing that Professor Clark told me in my life was I was gonna be a great teacher one day. Yeah. So that, that is another impact of how culture plays a role, at least in my development and probably many other people's. This culture is deeply in us. It is still in our DNA. All we need is people to come through our lives to activate it, to spark that flame, to make you think. That's why I tell people, I don't care if you believe a word I say. I'm not here to make you believe me. 
I'm here to make you think. Mm-hmm. I remember this guy just got all on my case one day about what that I didn't know what I was talking about and just riffing on me, right? And at the end, I said, but you know something? I said, you probably are the most important. To me, you are probably the most important because if you took the time to check out my work to the point that you know that I don't know what I'm talking about, it means I made you think. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you believe me. Check out the work that I, I cite, just like when I was talking about the uh, Hodenosone and the Constitution. Go to, uh, go to Indian Givers. Go to the book by Jack Weatherford. Then go to his other book called Native Roots. Mm. Then you're going to understand how the first peoples here on this continent were from Africa, mm. the Paleo-Americans. Mm. Don't believe me. Is there just any... Funny. Is there any... I heard some about the flag, the U.S. flag, and the design is. I heard Sa blurt something out one day. Sa blurt something out one day and said, "We we designed the American flag." Do you hear anything about that? I know a black woman helped sew it. Yes, and there's a lot that we can do about that. But what I go back with a flag is I was teaching in middle school, a number of years ago. And I was teaching about symbolism. And I remember this class because the State Department came in on my class when they saw me, uh, when, when they came into the building to do a, a, a move through, to, to do an observation of our school. That's how I, I, I remember this event. I was explaining to them that the earliest symbols that we have going back into Kush and Kemet is a pennant. And a pennant, you know, that flag that has a triangle, you know, there's, you know, there are schools have pennants and they're like flags, but they're not rectangular, they're triangular. And that represents the school. And normally you may have the animal that represents your school or a letter that represents your school. Well, that symbol represents spirit. The essence of who you are is the pennant in the comedic language. Whenever you see pennants, you know you're looking at what represents spirit or the essence of a person. So that when you get to the rectangular concept of the flags, all flags, all pennants, basically represent the essence of the country or represents the essence of the college or school, and that comes from Africa. But the other things about the flag, not too familiar with that. Uh, in terms of African people. But I know the whole idea of a pennant or a flag came from what we see as as Kush and Kemet. Mm-hmm. All, right, all right, another question. We're going to move to um, artificial intelligence, solar power, really digging into that stuff there. I heard a lecture, you say, Benny So, Dami So, what, what is that? That Can you break that? You know what I'm talking about? That dynamic I'm talking about? Yeah, it, it, it's the four layers of Dogon education four layers of dogon education yeah you 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 have the jiri so jiri so is the front word that's what we teach children the metaphors the mythologies the storytelling that's the that's the word on the front the word is the ultimate of all things Mm. when you get to a certain age probably in your maybe mid to late teens you then are introduced to Beniso. 
So means word, by the way. Beniso. Beniso is the word on the sides. So you have the front word, jidiso, that grows to the side words, which is a 180 degree view of the world around you because you're dealing with your worldview, you're dealing with your consciousness. And the educators amongst the Dogon, you can do the same thing with the Kemai, you can go throughout Africa, you go to America, you go around the world, but the Dogon had it structured that once you get to the front word, you then go to the side word. That's Beniso. Now, as you develop and grow, 30s and 40s and 50s, knowledge then you're introduced to boloso b-o-l-o-so which is the back word which means that the front word led you to the side word but now you have such an instinctive intuition that you now can know knowledge that you cannot see but you see it because you know the side word and the front word what's you the know side? like this so it seems it seems like we're dealing with the word, then we're dealing with uh, physical vision and metaphysical vision. Exactly, exactly. Oh, that's and then you have the sodai. The sodai is the clear word or the spirit word. When it gets to the point where you are full, this is the eldership. These are the elders that sit here. I don't care how intelligent you are. If you're not an elder, you're not sodai. Because sodai not only comes with information, not only with knowledge, it comes with experience. And this is one of the great things that's challenging this civilization because so many younger people believe they know more than the elders. And Richard Pryor said years ago, you don't get old by being a fool. <laughs> and every elder that you see out here has navigated some of the most, and if you're African, I mean, if you're an elder, period, but if you are black elder, if you are a brother or a sister, you have weathered some of the most horrendous terroristic disasters in your life, yet still you're here. You are so die. But now not every elder is an elder. Because just because you get old don't mean that you become an elder because there's only one thing worse than a young fool. And that's an old fool. <laughs> <laughs> so let's be clear. You know, eldership is a place that you earn. Yeah. You 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 earn that. Just because you get old don't mean you earn that spot. Mm -hmm. I am not saying that they should be disrespected, but I'm just saying don't expect people to rely on you for important information if you have not done in your lifetime the things that you should be doing. So those four areas. Jiriso, Beniso, Boloso, and Sodai are the four levels of consciousness and higher order thinking skills that the Dogon implemented in their society that brought them to be the geniuses that they became astronomically and agriculturally. Mm. Now, there's an elder brother, Dr. Obertashaka, who did this presentation on the Dogon one day, and he compared it to today's world, and he compared it to a jazz musician. And he said that the Jiriso is like an imitator. Like when I was first around Professor Clark, I, I imitated him. If he carried his briefcase in his right hand, I carried mine in my right hand. 
If he used a certain color pen, I used that certain color ink pen. Um, if he did it a certain way, I did it a certain way. This is what we do when we have a when we have a master teacher amongst us. We we imitate them, we emulate them. But then somewhere in my life in my 20s, I began to realize that while Dr. Clark was alive and kicking in me, there was also a Booker T. Coleman there. And so you move from being an imitator of somebody to being an assimilator, which means that you take that which was great in them and that which is great in you and you bring it together to become a unique person. The sodai now becomes the innovator. And the innovator is somebody who didn't do what the assimilator did or what the imitator did. You do something totally different, totally new, that you innovate into the society something that has not been there before. So those that really is another way of looking at what we have to do as an individual. We find a master teacher that we can emulate and imitate, study them, see them, even if, walk like them, talk like them, whatever it is that uh, do that, because out of that is gonna give birth to the seed within you that is who you are. And then once you're able to take the greatness of the master teacher and the greatness of who you are, you then innovate and do something that had not yet been around since that time. And so again, looking at the Dogon four levels, you then can break it down into uh, uh, what a musician might do. What I did with Dr. Clark, I followed him, I imitated him, I watched how he did what he did, but then I became an early childhood teacher. I didn't teach college and I wasn't doing lectures. I was a kindergarten teacher, first grade teacher, second grade teacher. I've taught every grade. I've taught every subject. Hmm. And that was different from Dr. Clark. Hmm. That was what I assimilated. Me was taking him, but bringing it to children. Hmm. Yeah, I remember you saying something about the children is, is, is the most important people we need to be teaching. Every society every society that has been successful, it's living working population, which basically from 20 to 65, if you wanna give those years, everything that we do should be to make our children better than us. Not like me, I told my children, I, told, I tell my grandson, I don't want you to be like me. <laughs> I want you to be better than me. Whatever I'm doing, multiply that by 10. That's who I want you to be. Yeah. Don't be like me. Be better than me. And it's my job to create the experiences and the environment and the activities that will allow them to be able to do that. And that's what ancient civilizations did. Every, every generation took the information to the next level. Remember, the imitator assimilator, innovator. innovator. That innovator made something different. Mm -hmm. Okay, the third dynasty in Kemet did the step pyramid, but the fourth dynasty did the perfect pyramids. Mm. Then the next one, 18th did the temples mm. and, and the Tekanus. Everybody was getting better. Right. 
And that's what we should be. We should not be hearing people talk about this is the first generation that will not be able to do better than their parents. That is a very dangerous. That to me is more dangerous than coronavirus. Uh Oh, because that means that you ain't going nowhere. You are going to be held in place, not only held in place, because even a civilization that does not advance, it actually goes backwards. It devolves. Right. Because times are going ahead, but you're not. So if you're not advancing and moving forward, you actually are devolving. I feel like that's the... I feel like that's the state of humanity right now. We're actually in a state of uh, de-evolution. Oh, yeah, man. And you know something? Dr. Clark used to say, I'm surprised that you're surprised. (laughs) Over the past 400 years, what have we ever seen that made us think that this day wasn't going to come? (laughs) You know, I I mean, what has ever happened that made us think that everything was going to be all right? You know, we're... We're trying to find a moral compass in a person that doesn't even know what it is if they tripped over it. Mm. It's up to us, each and every one of us. And I'm I'm going across cultures right now. I'm not even talking just to black folk. I'm talking to the human family. You you know, we all better have a time out. I think that this time that we have right now is as as frustrating as it may be. You know, nature tell us, man, go in your room and get a time out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, just think about how you've been acting. Think about what you've been saying on social media. You need a time out, man. We all need to just kick back in our rooms and think for a while. What are we going to do after this passes? Because this is going to pass. Right. You know, we'll go through our situation. And unfortunately, there will be pain to be felt by everybody. I pray nobody, but I understand how things happen. But brother... We, you know, we as a society have to stop now and ask ourselves, how many African-Americans who are now standing out in the street or maybe working at FedEx or maybe working at other jobs, not that there's anything wrong with those jobs because we need them because that's how we get our communications. Mm -hmm. But what would happen if they eventually decided to do that in order to move away from, um, because they were not allowed to go to med school. How many more doctors would we have had today had it been fair for all people to go to med school mm-hmm. that were qualified? Mm-hmm. How far would we be if all those companies that could have made those disposable gloves and those outfits and those get, uh, those masks on the face? Mm-hmm. How far would we be if we had not been refused that because of white fragility or white supremacy, if you want to call it that? Mm-hmm. We're, we're all in this together and we better find a way out because mm-hmm. as you can see, it's hitting everybody. And we have got to understand that we've got to get ourselves together once and for all and take our children to another level because I'm looking at the children that are on the beach, but I understand what spring break is. <laughs> yeah. And I understand what it is to be that age. Yeah. You Superman and Superwoman <laughs> ain't, ain't nothing bringing you down. You know, you're going to kick coronavirus butt. <laughs> you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Come on up in here. I got something for you. Come on. That's what the young people are saying. I know I was once there. You ain't going, hey, man, it's going to pass me. Angel of death is going over my head because I got blood on my door. <laughs> and so I understand. 
why they're doing what they're doing, right or wrong. I'm not judging that. I'm saying we have not prepared them to take life seriously in cases like this. Mm. Spring break come, say what? I can't do what? Oh, no. <laughs> I'm going to the beach, to the La Playa. I'm going to have fun. <laughs> because that's what that's what you're thinking at that age yeah some people believe that the coronavirus was created in a lab uh the wuhan institute of virology out of wuhan china some people believe the white man created it in some cia basement somewhere in langley what, what do you what do you what do you think is 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 the origins of this virus is there an agenda at play here well, you know, Brother Hope Tip Jesus. <laughs> I sort of look at things a little differently now. Okay. Here's what I like to tell us. Somebody come in your house and put and throws a bomb in the middle of your house. Yeah. Your family. Are you spending your time chasing down the guy or the girl that threw the bomb in your house? Or are you going to try to dismantle the bomb? We got to dismantle the bomb first. That's it. And that's what we ought to be dealing with right now. That's all we ought to be dealing with right now. Where, wherever it came from, don't make a difference, it's here. No matter where that bomb came from, it don't make a difference. It's in the middle of my living. Yeah. What are we gonna do? See, to me, a critical analysis is very important and priorities are very important. Yeah. It's attractive with the conspiracy theories. I understand. You know, People like to hear it. There's a part of us that, that wanna hear it. For me, I'm dismantling this bomb. Yeah. I'm not trying to chase down the person that threw, you know, like I often say, you know, when it comes to us as African people and what we're doing, it's like somebody throw you in a pit. You're on your way somewhere, yeah. somewhere grand. Someone throw you in a pit. My question is, are you going to spend your time cursing out the person that threw you in the pit? Or are you going to spend your time climbing up out of the pit so you can continue on to where you were going? Right, right. I choose to get up out of this pit, brother. Yeah, yeah. And when I get up out of this pit, I don't even want to deal with that person that threw me in the pit because I was going somewhere in my life. Yeah. I was heading somewhere to, to a place of higher consciousness. Then I was rudely interrupted by these individuals that threw me in a pit. You yeah. think you don't matter to me. Yeah. You're not important to me. I'm on my journey and I got to go there. You ain't got a life. Yeah. Your only life is to try to mess up mine. Yeah. But why would I let you to continue to be a part of my life after I done got up out this pit? I'm mm -hmm. going because you ain't going where I'm going. That's yeah. why you threw me in the pit in the first place. You ain't going there. Right, right. I'm going there. I got, I'm I got going it. there. And I am going to attempt to influence as many people to come with me as possible. Right. I'm, a, I'm getting up out this pit. Yeah. I got threw a couple. Of no now, mind you, brother, on the other side, I know who threw me in. Yeah. I know why they threw me in. I know how they threw me in. Yeah. I'm not talking about, you know, forgiving them. Although I forgiveness is very important, but forgiveness from a higher consciousness level is not the person that transgressed against you. You are forgiving them in order for you to forgive yourself to move on. Right. I'm gonna give you a very controversial example, brother. Okay. The nine people that were murdered in South Carolina by that white fragilist. You talking about Charlottesville? 
Yes. Okay. Go into the church and murder those wonderful, kind people. The dude that ran him over. Women. The dude that ran a, ran a girl over. Oh, oh you talking about, no, no, no. talk about the you talking about the white boy that, that went in there and shot those people. Yes, yes, oh, that's okay. who I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Okay. Shot him in the church. Yeah. Welcome him in. Let him come in. Dylan Roof or something like that. Dylan Roof, right. And what they said is, I forgive him. I understood what they meant. Uh. Now, a lot of folk had a very serious problem with that. Hell a yeah. lot of people questioned why I said what I said. But okay. they didn't forgive Dylan Roof because he shot their loved ones. They forgave Dylan Roof so they could go on in life. Uh, yeah, yeah. A bitter heart will devour its owner. A bitter heart will devour its owner. Somebody write that down. A bitter uh. heart will devour its owner. Mm. And it's like swallowing, it's like you have a problem with somebody, you swallow poison thinking that they gonna die. Yeah. But you don't want to swallow the poison. <laughs> let me let me read off these super chats. Um, Kristen Man uh, Manog, ten dollars super chat. Thank you, Alva Covington. She said, "Hotep to the Unifier." Peace to everybody in the chat. Hotep to everybody with the super chats. Um. So let me ask you this, right? I feel like, I feel like, first of all, the coronavirus. I feel like we all got it or came in contact with it already. I, I believe that uh, it's been here a lot longer than they're saying. Um, but I also believe that the uh, panic is much bigger than the actual threat of the virus. Would you agree, disagree with that? Or do you think this, this virus might be an actual threat to life? The, 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 the virus, COVID-19, all viruses are, as far as, as far as I've studied, are called coronavirus. Wait, what? This happens to be a COVID-19. This happens to be a more dangerous one. But every year, thousands of people die of viruses. It's just part of life. When you have an existence that you have a communicable disease, where you sneeze or cough, and someone can contract whatever it is that's sick inside of you, that's been around for a while. Viruses have been around for a while. Um, and all of them... That, that I've looked at, basically the way you fight it is by having a strong immune system. Which means that you should be careful what you think, what you eat. You should have an exercise regimen of your body to keep your liquids flowing through your body, whether it be your, your, your blood, your phlegm, your mucus, whatever. Why do, you, why do you say you have to watch what you think? Because how you be, be because your thoughts create a lot of different things. Everything came out of a thought in the in, in the very beginning. Everything was a thought. Thought desired. Desire brought forward existence. So what you think has a lot to do with how you feel. When you talk about panic, you're talking about thoughts that are going on in your head. You have every right to be concerned about this. But you should have been concerned about this long ago by washing your hands frequently. Everybody's <laughs> freaking out about washing their hands. Damn, you should have been doing that every day. <laughs> and not only that, but you know, you need to have a, a, a nail brush 
and also something that can get up underneath your nails. It's not just good enough for you to wash your hands. You got to get all of the other uh, uh, types of things that could get up underneath your fingernails. That's the first thing you should do when you come home is to go into the bathroom, wash your hands, then go, go underneath because in washing your hands first, you soften up your skin and your nails. <clears throat> when you then get your fingernail file, you then get the, the, the nail file, you go up underneath your nails and then you put soap on your hands again and you use a fingernail brush to clean that, that, those things up underneath your, your nails. This is something we should be doing. And you know, when you study ancient civilizations, they were very careful about their ablutions, about their cleaning. Hmm. They were very uh, careful about how they kept themselves in, in terms of cleanliness. And, uh, you know, well, when we're around the people that have experienced an ice age, you know, sometimes washing up ain't the first thing because first of all, ain't no water, not, not, nothing but ice. <laughs> so when you deal with ice age mentality, but your thoughts have a lot to do with your general condition. And, you know, you just got to free yourself of this um, and just do the very best that you can do under the conditions. Yeah. Yeah. I, I try to, I try to, uh, with this whole Corona coronavirus thing, I try to, uh, be lighthearted, fill a banter, let people know it's not the end of the world. You'd be all right because I understand what those thoughts do to the human body. Cause having those negative thoughts is actually make you more susceptible to the virus or, or any virus. That's right. That's right. That's right. Because panic, <coughs> thoughts, negative thoughts, negative vibrations uh, can knock you off your frequency. When you're knocked off your frequency, it, it, it jeopardizes your immune system. What's this frequency you're talking see, your about? Your immune system like, has to be strong. What's this frequency you're talking about? That's that hocus pocus hotep stuff. <laughs> oh, man. That frequency is your vibration. Uh-huh. Frequency is what you what you're elevated at. It's it's the energy that you bring forward. It's science, brother. It has nothing to do with anything outside. It has its metaphysical properties, but it's basically physics. That's why the book that I wrote, Spirituality Before Religions, the subtitle is Spirituality is Unseen Science and Science is Seen Spirituality. You can't separate the two. Ain't no hocus pocus up on me. I don't deal like that. I can't handle that. That's what made me leave the church in the first place because there was too much hocus pocus going on. Uh-oh. <laughs> I mean, I, I really could not handle you telling me I couldn't ask a question because it's a mystery and only God know the answer. I'm sorry, I have a problem with that. Don't tell me that. Don't tell a young black scorpion male that. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. Yeah. Everything has an answer. Yeah. And, or, or at least I have an attempt to look after the answer. Don't tell me I'll never know that. Mm. Like that anyway. There are mysteries, but not that's not a mystery. Right, right. So you left the church? Yeah, man. When I was fourteen, oh my Christian, I was an altar boy, choir boy, man. I wanted, I wanted to be a priest. I wanted to be a Catholic priest, man. What? I was raised Catholic too. I was confirmed and everything. There we go. I was confirmed, baptism, all of that. Yeah. yeah. And then I was in the church one time, and, and I was in the basement, and I was doing some work down there. I was a sophomore in high school, and I came upon a book that talked about this sect of priests that protected 
uh, this statue in Poland called Our Lady of Cheslakova, but in parentheses, it said Black Madonna and Child. Oh. Now here's where my memories from Santeria come because that Lady of Cheslakova looked a lot like some of the statues and pictures I saw growing up in the homes of people that practiced Santeria. And so I called up Professor Clark and I told him what I had experienced. And he said, come on up, I'll uh, share some information with you. He, he gave me a Xerox copy of a short story that he wrote. It's, it's titled, The Boy Who Painted Christ Black. Mm. It, it, it came on cable. Uh, Blair Underwood played one of, I think he played the pastor. Mm. But I, I read that man, uh, 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 The Boy Who Painted Christ Black. Mm. And I read it again, brother, and I read it again. And then I uh, call him up. He said, come on up, we'll have a conversation. And then he dropped the African presence in Christianity on me. Mm. I went home, I got my cassock, you know, the black robes and the surplice, which is the white robe. <laughs> and I, um, my father was a, um, worked in the post office, but he was also a tailor. And he took it to the shop, he ironed it. My mother went out and bought a suitcase, packed it, went. And my supervising priest said, Booker, it looks like the church is losing. Because he ain't seen me in about two or three weeks. Oh. And he says, it looks like the church is losing you. And I said, Father, the church lost me. Oh. I gave him the suitcase. I walked out. Ain't never seen me again. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Clark had more answers for spirituality for me than the church did all the years I was there. 14 years I was there. He was able to answer questions that had been harbored inside of me, trying to figure out this thing here. Yeah. This man on a, uh, that you put on a stick, man. I was looking at that, man. I say, you know, there's something unnatural about worshiping a man where blood is coming from all parts of his body. Yeah. He yeah. naked. You put him on a cross, you nailed him to the cross, you put thorns on his head, and that's your symbol of your belief system? I got a problem with that, Hotep Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you what do you tell, you know, I got I got young, young Hotep Thundercats out here, you know what I mean, young bloods out here who come across, you know, the American black who's a Christian, you know, diehard, devoted Christian, right? So it's like, it's two minds. It's that hotel mind has been unlocked. We're not really following the church like that. And you got that young black mind who still has some sort of African consciousness, some sort of pro-blackness with them, but they under the church. And I always tell the young bloods, like, just because they in the church don't mean we can't work with them. Well, here's, here's my key. Here's how I do it. I am grateful that Christianity existed on the plantation because for our ancestors and the way they were treated and what they went through daily, when you stop and think about what they went through daily in their lives, mm -hmm. Dr. Amos Wilson once told us that a good organization meets its people, uh, solves its people's problems and meets its people's needs. When you look at every successful organization, every one of them met the basic needs, food, clothing, shelter, yeah. community, 
and it solved their problems. No job, they found them a job. Christianity solved our problems, you know, and, and, and met our needs. Yeah. It was a story of a man who gave nothing but love to the world. And to repay him and thank him for that, they crucified him. His existence, according to the story, was able to split history in half, B.C. and A.D. Not to mention in their DNA was the very scripture they were reading, but it came out of Africa before it was contaminated by contaminated minds. And so I realized that Christianity played an important role in our survival. It allowed us to live to the next day. Right. It allowed us to love ourselves enough to want to continue, no matter what we were going through. And it allowed us to do it in a way that even as we moved forward, maybe not in our lifetime, but in a future lifetime, the children would not have to go through what they were going through if they just kept on going kept on kept keeping on. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of respect for the role that Christianity played in our lives. However, as Jeremiah Kamara has told us, quoting a proverb from an ancient script, when a spiritual system no longer solves your problems and meets your needs, it's like carrying the boat on your back after you cross the river. Mm. Mm. So there's a balance of my thoughts of Christianity. There, there is a respect and love for it. But there's a realization that while it got you across the river, dock it. Because if you put it on your back, it becomes a burden. Mm. Yeah. So I, I understand the two because our people hurt Hotep. Yeah. They hurt bad. Mm -hmm. I'm blessed, brother. I count my blessings every day for the state of mind and health that I have right now. Mm -hmm. I'm blessed. I'm blessed with my family. I'm blessed with my life. I'm blessed with my achievements. But I also know that just because I feel like that, it doesn't mean everybody else does too. Right. And it is not easy to tell someone to give up their crutch. Right. Because if they think they're crippled, if they let that crutch go, they're going to fall. So what I think we need to do, those that love our people unconditionally, instead of criticizing, instead of telling them to give up, it's like a house that's on stilts, weak stilts. Instead of knocking the stilts down, the house will fall. What I say is those that know better, those that love better, put stronger stilts under the house because the weak ones will just fall away. And at least the house has something to stand on. We have to love our people. We can't hurt them. You know, we, we by matter of degree, all of us are already hurt. We got to stop hurting. Hurt people hurt people. Mm -hmm. And we got to back up off of criticizing. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and we, we have to start to show by example what we're talking about. I feel like um, Christianity is very limiting as far as self-empowerment is concerned and 
what people are capable of metaphysically. Do you find something similar like that in your life as far as getting involved in meditation and exploring the vast potentiality of intuition, et cetera, et cetera? Oh, man. Uh, you know, again, go back to my book, Spirituality Before Religions, brother. The um, I can quote you the scripture on the walls of Kemet. I mean, I can show you where the Catholic Church got their scripture from. I can show you the five books of Moses, which is the New Testament. I can show you where Islam got their surahs from in mm. Africa. Mm. What happened when Eurasians took over the faith systems of Africa, when they were taught by Africans these systems, they, they couldn't get it. Dr. Wade Noble says, like, what, what happened when our ancestors fed them that rich meal, they did not have the intellectual or spiritual enzymes to break it down, so they threw it up. Mm. And what we're dealing with is throw up. We're dealing with vomit. Mm. But what I say is don't throw that vomit away. Mm -hmm. Don't eat it. Don't, you know, don't <laughs> like it. But in the vomit is the original meal. Right. Pick it apart. Find out what the original meal was. And then recook it. Because you have the enzymes to break it down. Yeah. So... I don't have anything against any holy book. I don't say don't throw it away. I don't have a problem with any holy book. I have a problem with the interpretations of the book. And my interpretation of all of that scripture is very different. It, it takes you not only through life to, to spiritual ascension, but even after your body goes, what happens to your soul after that takes it to another level too. Yeah. There's no such thing as death. Okay. Death, conception, birth, and death are but doorways in the eternal temple of immortality. Uh. Death is not final. It's a doorway. You just leave one room, go into another. Uh. When you were conceived, you left one room where you were and your mommy and daddy concretized you, put you in a body, and you went through tons of gestation. Then, when you were born, you went through another doorway into your life. And then when you died, you went through another doorway into eternity. That's the way the, the thoughts are. Mm -hmm. And if you don't believe that, just look at botany. Isn't that what plants do? That's where the whole concept of spirituality came from. Mm. It came from observing plant life. You plant the seed, it grows, it matures, it dies, decays, and it resurrects the next season. That's who we are. Mm -hmm. We were a seed that was fertilized, that was born, that matured, that aged, died, decayed, but we resurrected ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that's carved on the walls of the pyramid text. So, I mean, it, it's, we have got it's, to interpret. Right. Is there an inter interpretation of it all? That's it, brother. Don't throw away those books. 
they have value. I have every one of them. Torah, um, uh, New Testament, Old Testament, Bible. I have also, I have a book on the Catholic mass. I, you know, I studied Latin as an altar boy and sang it as a choir boy. <laughs> yeah. I, I grew up with many, many friends in the nation of Islam. Went in with the Moors, Hebrew Israelites, Buddhists, Rosicrucian, from A to Z, man, from agnostic to Zoroastrian. Every philosophy can be found on the walls of Africa. Mm -hmm. It's the interpretation because when these Ice Age people got a hold of this stuff, they didn't understand that. So they made metaphor literal. Mm. Yeah. You know, when, when the pyramid text talks about the Pharaoh or the deceased um, turning into a bull and eating the hearts of the gods and drinking the blood. They took that literal. <laughs> <laughs> but what the ancient Kushites were saying on the walls in the pyramid text, it, 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 no, 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 no. He didn't really turn into a bull. Bull represents fertility and growth and strength. Eating of the gods is not, you're not eating the gods and drinking the blood like that. It's that you are what you eat. So if you dine from the God, you become God-like. You know, they took it literal. Yeah. And, and so it's the interpretation I have a challenge with. Uh, that's where they got the drinking the blood of Christ from and the cup from? Yeah, well, I, I, I mean, um, you, you also have to look at Zoroastrianism and, um, and Mithras who was the savior in that religious system that the Romans came in contact with. The Romans came in contact with Egypt and the Persians. Right. And they combined both of those philosophies and created what we know. You know, you know the sarcophagus is really an altar. Really? You know, the sarcophagus, that's why they don't, you know, they found bodies, but they really didn't find many bodies. The sarcophagus was, was the altar in the church. If you can remember the church in the middle, you have the altar right there. Right. And you have the prayers that you say, and you take the Eucharist, which is that round uh, piece of bread and the wafer, and you offer it up, and that becomes the body. And then the altar boy comes with the water and the wine, and that becomes the blood. Well, really, what that is, the ritual, when you go into the pyramid text, what that ritual actually is, is the fact that it is the, it is the celebration of resurrection. In other words, Osiris, Asar, that's his coffin. But his son Heru, that's his cradle. Mm. So what is the cradle of Asar? I'm sorry. What is the coffin of Asar is the cradle of Heru. Mm. In other words, that mystical, magical thing that he was doing basically was just saying, regenerate, rejuvenate, you know, keep going because mm. up out of you comes the young. Mm. Resurrection. Mm -hmm. Same way in death. When you die, you resurrect, you become the young Asar. And it's a it's a beautiful story, man. Yeah. It's a really beautiful story, and it's a phenomenal story. And if we had the fervor to see that and to practice that way of life, and if people who claim to be all these religions acted like what the book tell them to act like, we'd be living in a pretty good world right now. Mm. But people don't practice what they preach. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> now, I first reached out to you. You know, you said to me, like, you know, we 
I thought we was gonna sit here and we gonna have this discussion on ancient civilization, et cetera, et cetera. We have, you know, you know, I had to ask you these questions, but just out of my own curiosity and some things I wanted people to hear. But um, you said you want to talk about artificial and solar power, and I said, "What for real?" I'm like, "Oh, yeah, that's right, right down my alley." But I didn't expect that from you. Why? Why did? Why? Why is that on the tip of your brain right now? Because that's the future. Hmm. You know, that's the future. You know, culture has its place. People that know me know how deeply embedded I am in understanding culture, studying culture. But that means nothing if we can't apply the technology. Technology advances in two areas, transportation and communication. Whenever we've seen civilizations advanced, their ability to move and their ability to talk is what builds the civilization. Okay. And what I've always felt to be so important, my brother, and to those that are listening, is you can know everything about Africa you want, but if you're not part of the future, it don't mean a thing. Mm. Artificial intelligence, we're all, what we're doing right now is artificial intelligence. In fact, in certain ways, our ancestors on the plantation were looked upon as artificial intelligence. Hmm. Because the people that were making them do the work weren't doing it themselves, so it wasn't natural for them. So they went out and unnaturally got a people to become the machines to, uh, to fuel their economy, be it hmm. cotton, tobacco, whatever it was, sugar. And out of that, Africans develop machines. See, white folk didn't develop machines because they weren't in the plantation working. So it don't make sense to think they did the machines. It was Africans that did the cotton gin. It was Africans that did the lasting machines. It was the Africans that created plants. You so that- created plants. Say again? You said the Africans created plants. Yeah, they created plants. In other words, you know, the automobile plant, Oh, okay. You know, it was George Washington Carver did that. That's why that's why they're called plants. Mm. George Washington Carver developed the idea of mass production. Uh, Jan Metzlinger did the last thing that did clothing, shoes in particular, shoe lasting machine. Mm. And so what you're dealing with as we move through this process is that artificial intelligence has always been here. From the moment we were uh, in our homo habilis, homo erectus stage, where we decided to use the cattle to help us on the farm, that was artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. That was using something else to get the job done that wasn't you doing it. Right. So when we started putting plows on cattle to turn up the earth that we would put the seeds in. That was a form of artificial intelligence. Mm. When we used Africans on the plantation, when I say we, I'm speaking as a society, not personally, but when Africans were used on the plantation, that was a technology. And so then you have, from these machines, you have the industrial revolution. And then the industrial revolution began to depend on computers and other types of artificial uh, means. And then we got into the technological age. And now we're in the technological age. We're beyond the industrial age because the technological age is what's driving the industrial age. But in every one of these ages, whether it's human 
animal, machine, or computer. All of those intelligences are fused by the light, heat, and sound energy of the sun. True. Everything is, and so you have to understand solar power. Mm. So solar power. We're getting off the earth. You said what? We're going to get up off the earth. We're going to stop using uh, fuel in our cars. Well, we're already doing it. We're going to stop using uh, gas. That's what's going to animate artificial intelligence. It's like fuel in a car. You can have a beautiful car, new, ready to run, with all of its pieces there. But if you don't put gasoline in the car, the car ain't going nowhere. Right. And that's the same thing with all things. The sun, the light, the heat, and the sound energy emanating from the sun is what fuels and animates the earth. It's what makes botany exist. It's what makes biology exist. It's what makes everything exist. And our ancestors understood that. That's why they call themselves children of the sun. And so solar power is the next power as artificial intelligence grows. And man, I think that this technology is phenomenal. Mm. I just think it's a phenomenal piece of work, but it is not the future, but it's an important part of the future because what? there's nothing greater than the human spirit. Okay. Human spirit is the masterpiece of the cosmic universe. Mm. And the computer cannot know more than us and will never be able to be know more than us. No matter how they do it, it'll never be human. I understand people saying, well, there are a lot of things we can make flesh and it can feel like a human and it can think like a human and all, but it will never be human. There, and it will never have a spirit. You will never be able to put a spirit in a machine. Right. That's just not going to happen. And that's part of the mystery of life because we are in a very unique position beyond the other animals on the planet that we have consciousness and higher order thinking skills. And out of this, we put this genius in a machine that could come back with this information quickly to us, which has its place. It's a good thing, but don't fall in love with it. Yeah. Don't fall in love with it, use it. It's phenomenal. Coming from the generation that I come from, I work with Dr. Uh, Chancellor Williams. The elder brother, Dr. wrote uh, The Destruction of Black Civilization. Back in 1984, I, I was doing a book on, on uh, a, a thesis on William Leo Hansberry, the architect of the African Studies Program. And he was a student of William Leo Hansberry. And I went to visit him and do some work and he was living in a senior citizens complex at the time in Washington, DC. And he was very distraught. He was totally blind at this time, but he was totally distraught because he, he had recently moved from someplace that had a lot of his work. And I remember um, him uh, telling me how devastated he was that he lost books and notes and things like that you know and now here we are in 2020 and i'm thinking about kindle and i'm thinking about flash drives 
Do you know what his generation could have done if they could have preserved their knowledge and wisdom? Yeah. See, I come from that generation, man. Hotep Jesus, I come from the generation that say, when you tell me cut and paste, I'm thinking scissors and glue. (laughs) 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 What I can do on the computer now, when I used to do my early work, brother, if I made a mistake, I, I, I did not have much of a choice. Yeah. In the beginning, and then they had typewriters where you could backspace yeah. and you could ink it out, yeah. and then you had white out. Yeah. Okay. Then you had carbon paper where you could do certain things. Yeah. But with this technology now, with cut and paste, I can do things and and leave it, and then go back later on or come upon some more information that I think is important. I can put that right up into the document. Yeah. That's phenomenal, man. Yeah. I so appreciate that ability, but I come from a generation where I have watched people lose everything they had in a fire. Right. Whereas if you carrying a, 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 um, a, uh, what's this? Or I even got one of these other ones, man, man, I mean, I got to think about this, man. You know, you know, you know, I even got, uh, you know, you know, what, 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 one of these, um, flash drives. Well, really it's a passport, man. Like a one terabyte. Right that this downloads stuff quickly. This is the advantage of this. The other ones I have slow process. This is real quick. Okay. But man, I think about this and I've got my library on this. Creator forbid, something should happen to this. This should shut down. My work is here. Yeah. I think of the John Henry Clarks and the Yosef Ben Yakinens, Dr. Ben and Chancellor Williams and John G. Jackson and Shashi McIntyre and all those scholars I sat at their feet with their work and seeing how they would take out folders of information. Now you don't take out folder, you take out the laptop. Everything is right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So artificial intelligence, man, is phenomenal. Imagine what you could do when you have the artif- the AI um, assistants, the AI assistants as they become more smart. Wow. And they start doing some work for you and compiling information and doing research for you. That's it, man. You know, I mean, it is a powerful thing to realize but it's important that it's not what it is that's important it's what you do with it that's important yeah because as as wonderful as all the things are that we talk about here you know years ago if we were under quarantine you and i couldn't do this right now right not to mention how many people are watching your program yeah but look at what ai has allowed us to do Mm. okay so we're in our house they say don't come outside (laughs) <laughs> but look at what we can do inside hey and we still outside technically <laughs> yeah uh, we, we are in cyberspace we are in the nun we are in the universe yeah and and i and i think that we have to introduce this concept of artificial because our children are using it period right but the question is do they know what it is mm-hmm. do they know it's full power or are you just there to play games you know, are, are, are you there to gossip mm. or, or do you realize how revolutionary this can be in your life? Right. Well, so let's let, you know, I talked to uh, my homie Crypto Blood. He's uh, he's got an AI bot he created and he's in the crypto space and financial space. And um, me and him are kind of going back and forth on this thing. And I said, uh, AI will never take over human existence because human has a spirit. And these people feel like AI is going to potentially destroy humanity 
Um, and then, and I think there's like a B part of this conversation too, is like the immediate future, you know, do we need UBI, universal basic income, because AI is going to take jobs and how does our future shift with AI taking so many people jobs? Are people going to be unemployed? What do you think happens within the next, you know, I say 50 years? You got to be smart. You, 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 you have to be smart. And the problem is educational systems do not prepare future generations for work. I had a student, phenomenal, brilliant student. She graduated, had to become a secretary in a veterinary hospital. There's, there's nothing wrong with being a secretary in a veterinary hospital, but you did not go to college and acquire those bills to become a secretary in a veterinary hospital. Right. So it is obvious that the society, the educational system in so-called is not educating. Remember when we said about every ancient civilization prepares its young for the future. Right. We ought to be looking at the future. I grew up at a time where my aunt and my uncle in Boston, they were elevator operators. That's how they made their money. Now elevators are automated. Right. Toll booths now are automated. Mm -hmm. What happened to all those jobs? So the people that are working there, the society has to find a place for them to advance the society. You, you see, Western civilization was born to die. Oh, Western civilization was born to die. That's yes. a tweet right there. Think about what I'm saying now. In the six forms of human beings, Australopithecus robustus, Australopithecus gracile, Homo habilis, Homo erectus, Homo sapiens, and Homo sapiens sapiens. Those are the basic six forms of the human family, outlined by Dr. Shekanta Giap. Civilizational Barbarism was his book, was one of his books. And in those six sections, you have many other groups that were spawned from that one group, Australopithecus africanus, Australopithecus afarensis, and things like that. But it's not the strong that survive, it's not the survival of the fittest. It's the, the ones that survive, go into the future are the ones that can adapt to the new way of life. Life is always adjusting, it's always growing and transforming, and you have got to transform with it. I don't care how strong you are. It doesn't make a difference. Can you adapt to the new way of life? And there were, like, when you look at ivy that crawls up the side of a building, that ivy, in order to climb up, depends on the fact that it can attach itself to the building. And then it will grow up, grow up, grow up. There is some ivy, like all things in nature, that turn away from the wall. As one side is growing and holding, the other side is moving away. Eventually, that one will drop down to the ground and die. And so that's what happens in every part of nature. The Australopithecus robustus, the first, what they say is what humans came from. There were some that did not adapt they died. And the ones that went on became Australopithecus gracile. Same thing happened with gracile. 
There were some that could not do what needed to be done. They died off. The ones that could, Orsulpiscus gracile, became homo habilis. And I can go through all the other four chains the same way. When the African, give or take 50, 40,000 years ago, ventured into the northern climate and got caught in the worm glaciation and had to hunker down into caves, put clothes on, deny their body of sunlight, they had to survive. And to survive in those harsh climates, they had to depigment themselves. And that's not surprising because both you and I, brother, we are not the complexion we were in August right now. Mm -hmm. We're not that color. Our hair texture is not the same. See, in the summertime, everybody here go home. <laughs> what you mean to go home? Well, white folk call it frizzy. But what is white folk frizzy hair really is kinky hair. In, in the presence of the sun, hair tightens up. Okay. Science, sebum which is in a hair follicle. That's why the hair is kinky, because it's hot. When this African went into the cold climate, they didn't need the sebum to protect their scalp from the harmful rays of the sun. So it attached, the sebum attached itself to the hair follicle and it took what was a kink and made it straight. That's basically, and in the summertime, our hair gets very curly. In the wintertime, those that experience this type of weather, our hair loses its kink. It doesn't get completely straight, but it is not as tightly curled as it is in August. Okay, I'm following now. Science, cold, cold cracks <laughs> expands. So the nose is gonna become aquiline. The lips are gonna become small. The skin is gonna depigment itself and the hair is gonna get straight. Mm. And that's what happened to Africans as they transformed themselves from the African Grimaldi to what is called the Cro-Magnon. Now, the Ice Age ended and these Cro-Magnon came back down across into the Southern lands after thousands of years of being in the ice. They came back a little warped in the mind because the first thing they should have done was find the biggest, blackest person that they could mate with. <laughs> back on the archetype of humanity. Yeah. Plants were born to be green. Humans were born to be black. That's science. That's not personal. <laughs> uh -uh. That's not, I'm not saying that's superior or inferior because I believe what Dr. King said was right. It will always be right. To judge a person by the content of their character, not by the isms that create schisms. All right. So they should have found black folk and said, can you let me in? <laughs> but they didn't. They came back with a warped mentality of xenophobia and they were fearful of everything they came in contact with that didn't look like them. So they forbid themselves to mate with the original human. So they began to inbreed amongst themselves. So the people we're dealing with today are not mutations. They're mutations of mutations. They're going to die off. They're going to die off. They are part of the human group that's going to die off. 
because they can't adjust to the new way. Because when this global warming hits, I don't believe that global warming was created by humans. I don't believe that. Okay. I believe that, I believe that humans have created a great deal of pollution. They have created a great deal of destruction of the earth, the water, and the air. But I believe that the earth has always been on a warming cycle and a cooling cycle. That's, that's the way the earth go. That's just the way. But see, black folk have been around for millions of years. Europeans are no older than 10,000 years. They weren't here at the last warming trend. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's like having grandparents and children in a room and, and the grandparents are talking about the good old days. Young people can't talk about that. They weren't around during the good old days. Yeah. In fact, they weren't even around in the old days. <laughs> and so in our conversation with peoples of Indo-European uh, background, we come from a, a DNA structure of an ancient memory. Okay. They ain't been through this. Mm. Oh, they looking at it like I did this. You didn't do this. You caused a lot of problem with pollution, but you didn't cause the warming trend. The warming trend was coming anyway. Uh. And when the warming trend hits, it's gonna hit them hard. Forget about coronavirus. Wait till it gets hot. Cause we're, hey man, it was 75 degrees in New York today. Yeah. That's crazy. First day of <laughs> spring, man. Today's first day of spring, 75 degrees. We don't get that until June. We even, we haven't even had a winter. We ain't had a snowstorm. Yeah, we didn't. Since 2014, man, I've charted the difference. And, and don't think that because you have a snowstorm or, you, or it gets real cold. See, in school, they didn't teach us the difference between weather and climate. Okay. You, you can have a warming trend and have a snowstorm. Uh, That's weather. Correct. Climate is more permanent. One is micro, one's macro. That's it. Yeah. But you see, we don't know these things. We're mm -hmm. not exposed to this information. And, and, and I think this is all part of some of the things that we have to start to think about as we move forward with artificial intelligence. And with because our young people, man, I have a lot of respect for them. I've been around them long enough, man. I have a lot of respect and love and admiration for them. And, and a lot of that also is because of who I was when I was that age. Right. And like when they all, you know, when they up there thinking they know more than me, okay, I, <laughs> I can work with you. I was there once. Yeah. I know what it's like to have that spunk, okay? Yeah. But at the end of the day, sit down and shut up and listen because now it's time to get busy. Okay, I'll let you say what you had to say, but now it's time for you to really listen. You're talking to someone who has had a number of different experiences that I'd like to share with you. Yeah. You can listen to it or you don't. Yeah. Like I used to always tell my children, man, in school, not just my biological children, but my children in school. I say, you're gonna learn the lesson. Life will teach you the lesson. You can either learn it the easy way or the hard way. Right, right, right. And it's your choice to make. The right. easy way is by listening to those who have gone through this before. I so, know how to tell you to avoid that ditch. All right. Because when I was coming through, no one warned me and I fell in. Right. But now I'm out and I can tell you how to get around the ditch. Mm. Oh, no, I know where I'm going. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> well, life is going to teach you. Yeah. You listen to me, you go around the ditch or you don't listen to me and you fall in the ditch. But you're still going to learn because you have to get about that ditch. You're going to learn, but easy way or hard way.
Yeah, yeah. So when you say we're going through this warming cycle, is 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 that a good reason why solar energy is going to be uh, such a big thing in the future? Because the abundance of sun. Well, yes, if we if we know how to harness it, right? Because we got to know how to harness the energy, right. solar panels and things like that. But we are solar panels. Black people, melanated people, are solar panels. I'm a solar panel. Yes, you are a solar. When you are in front of the sun, you okay. are doing the same thing that a solar panel does. Your body is receiving light heat energy from the sun. You have five layers of skin in your epidermis, uh, stratum corneum, stratum granulosum, stratum luciderm. The fourth level is stratum spinosa. The fifth level is stratum basale. In the two bottom layers, you have a biochemical known as 7-dehydrocholesterol. Google it. Y'all don't have to believe me. 7-dehydrocholesterol. When the sun, light, heat, energy comes down and hits your skin, the sunlight is pulled out. You see, everyone talking about vitamin D, but what nobody tells you is there's four types of vitamin D. D1, 2, 3, and 4. If you go to the health food store, you ask for vitamin D, look at the label. It'll always say D3. Because that's the vitamin D you need. Vitamin 1 and 2, D1 and 2, rest in potentiality in your epidermis. When sunlight comes down and hits that, hits the vitamin D1 and D2, intermingling with the 7-dehydrocholesterol, that is what produces the chain reaction that's going to allow your body to absorb the calcium and to live the life that it needs to live. Our body. So, mm -hmm. No. So when I say we're solar panels, we do the same thing that a solar panel does. Tra because tra you know, the panel that collects the sun, light, heat, energy is black. It's black. That, that panel that you have that collects the heat is black. You know, um, a couple of years ago, there was a major snowstorm. And I saw an article on TV that said the one thing that was outselling more than anything else was black sand. Black because sand. black sand being black absorbs sunlight and melts the snow quicker than the gray or the white sand. Uh. Black absorbs and black captures and absorbs light, heat, and sound energy. Science, not personal. Right. Solar panels and the sun, going back to your question, the sun is going to have a devastating area because that's what caused the Sahara Desert. You know, it's called the African arid season. There was a, a, a African humid season where everything was wet and growing and green. The Sahara Desert didn't exist. About 5,000 BC, that part of the world came, in, came upon a certain um, thing happened in the world, a dynamic that dried up that that water and the river was called the taman reset river we even know what the river was called coming up out of algeria the atlas mm -hmm. mountains and coming out and emptying out into the off the coast of southern mauritania this is science that that i'm really trying to get to more than anything else and not get personal so 
additional heat from the sun is going to cause deserts, particularly in places that are already very hot. But if we can scientifically learn how to harness the power and direct it certain places, then we will be able to move forward and we will be able uh, to harness that power and move the, this civilization into the next level, which is going to be energized by the sun. And the sun is then going to energize all of the different mechanisms on the earth, which the main one is probably going to be artificial intelligence. But artificial intelligence will never be more powerful than natural intelligence. It never is well, you know. Right now, they got the game StarCraft, and they got humans versus machine, machine whooping that ass. Um, but it seems like the machine is going to be able to do a lot of things better than humans. They got one thing called Travis Bot, which is an AI machine that makes songs after they ran uh, a bunch of, uh, I think it was like fifty songs of Travis Scott. They ran through the AI and it did an imitation of Travis Scott. And they have some AI that's creating art. You you still don't think it's going to be a threat to? No, because they still needed Travis Scott to do what they did. They weren't what? able to do it on their own. And why shouldn't the machines be better than us? That's why we built them. If the machines weren't as good as us, why would we build them? They should be better than us. But we ought to know how to control our own thought processes to ensure that they never are able to take over, but they'll only take over if we give them the power. The only power that the oppressed have over, uh, the only power that the oppressor has over the oppressed is the mind of the oppressed. If, if we don't understand the power of natural intelligence, then we can see artificial intelligence overtaking us. We're in control because we have been endowed by the creator with life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We control the machines. They should do better than us. Why would we even have them if they couldn't? If we could do it, we should just do it. We don't need the machines. Right. They should be better than us. But for them to turn on us means that we program something in them that was very dangerous. Because I look at the program, the code. What code did you set up that would make that happen? Well, I think the problem is the machine learning becomes so smart that it makes humans obsolete and, and no longer needed. Can never be that way, brother. Can never be that way. That, to, to me, humans will always be the masterpiece of the universe. Machines will never be able to overtake that, ever, ever. There's nothing more indomitable than the human spirit mm. in conjunction with the human mind doing great things. And I see a civilization where machines can be very helpful to humans. I see a world that could be very hurtful too, but who programmed that? You know, like when I used to have children that would misbehave in my classroom and the parents would come in. Most of the time I never called them and they just came in because they, they were told something was going on. But when the parents came in, I said, damn, that child's lucky to even turn out the way they did considering how the parent is acting. Mm. And, and so if the machine is acting up, it's because we programmed it. Yeah. 
That, that machine does not have the capacity to be able to program something that they invented to put inside themselves. Even if they did that, that program to be able to do that was given to them by a human. Yeah. This is what yeah. I perceive. This is what I mean by the Ma'atian balance, to be able to balance this out and to see where we're headed with this. Like I tell you, artificial intelligence, man, and, and the computer and what I can do and, and, and having uh, the ability to have hard drives and external hard drives and phones that have cameras and, you know, can you can ask a question, you know, what time does uh, the, the supermarket close? I can tell you it closes at 10 o'clock tonight. I mean, that's powerful, man. That's so, a great so, help to us. So, so you know, my experience, I feel like black people are behind especially when it comes to technology, uh, the Asiatic, Moorish man of, copper colored man of Americas are severely behind. Even my, some of my brothers in the, on the African continent are, are seriously behind when it comes to technology. How do we close that gap? With, teaching. teaching, doing what we're doing here. That's all we can do. That's why I do what I do with solar power and um, artificial intelligence. I, I have a whole curriculum around solar power, how to teach it books that children can read books that you can read to children about solar power yeah uh, learning parts of the sun you know you go to a black bookstore if they have or barnes and noble or amazon and you can order a book on the sun teach the children the parts of the sun the photosphere the chromosphere you know solar flares teach them about the sun you know have activities where they can actually create solar panels you know i do that yeah Yes, and I know an organization does it much better than me. Really? An organization does it much better than me. In fact, I once did a program with children where I taught multiple intelligences, but the science teacher and I coordinated a class where you took lemon, orange, and grapefruit, and they modeled a car. Each group modeled a car, and they fueled it by lemon, orange, or grapefruit to see which one uh, would go the fastest and last the longest. There, there are activities where you can get activities in, um, you can go to museums where you can go online and look for solar panel activities for children. You, you can Google, you know, that's AI right there. That's a beautiful thing. You go right wait, wait. there. And, how, you, how, you, yeah. how you power something with grapefruit? Well, what, 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 what you do is that you connect the grapefruit. Well, you cut a piece of the grapefruit off, right. you know, but you, you connect it to um, the... Um, the lines, the, um, the, the, the pieces that go from what's gonna make the wheels go, you inject it into the grapefruit. And the grapefruit is almost like a passenger in the car. You okay. do the same thing with lemon, you do the same thing with oranges. And is at the end of the activity of learning it, we had a race to see which one would win. Is, is this a, a passing the uh, electricity through, like a conduction? Yes, Fairly? yeah, that's exactly, yeah, that's exactly what it is. It, okay. it's, it's, it's what you're doing in terms of electricity. Yeah. And electricity, again, what makes the lemon, the lime, or the orange what it is, is sunlight. You're going back to sunlight. You'll always go back to the sun for everything that you're looking for when it comes to animated life on Earth. Yeah. Uh. And this is what we're going to do with our children in solar power. Now, right now, we got a couple of days off, right? couple of weeks off there's things we can do you know you can just get online and just look at the solar 
There, there, there are websites online that so, are teaching solar power to children or teaching the sun to children. You can put them right there and watch a show on the sun. They can learn that. Then they have questions at the end. These are things that we can actually do, but we have to do it. You know, no, you know, nature does not accept excuses. It understands reasons, but it doesn't accept excuses. Uh-huh. Our ancestors did things back in the day with things that we're nowhere near touching. If they could do what they did back there, Brother Hotep Jesus, I'm embarrassed to think I'm having a hard time. Uh, yeah, I, say, I always say ancestors did more with less. That's it. Look at Marcus Garvey. How did he get around the world? He ain't had no computer, didn't have Google, didn't have Zoom, didn't have live stream, didn't have YouTube. How mm-hmm. was it that he was able to get the world word across the world? Yeah, he was everywhere. How did he do that? And he didn't necessarily travel to those places. How mm-hmm. did he do that? Mm-hmm. And if he could do that then, I'm embarrassed to think we can't do that now. Yeah. That's why I'm always attempting and accepting programs, talking to the community, because we got to get out there and get this word out. Artificial intelligence and solar power. Yes, culture has its place. Culture has its place. I teach it all the time, every day, all the time. But without a sense of solar power and artificial intelligence, we are not going to be part of the future. Yeah. Talk, walk me through what you was telling me before about steam. Steam, yes, yeah, steam. Well, see, the thing about steam is steam stands for the physical sciences. STEM stands for the physical sciences. Science, technology, engineering, and math. Those are the subjects that we teach in what we call the physical sciences. In the spiritual sciences, or what's called communication arts, you have uh, the performing arts, the creative arts, and the language arts. In the communication arts, you have art. This is where we get the concept of arts and sciences from, arts. But to truly understand STEM, to truly understand science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, you have to be able to understand art. Because everything we know about ancient Egypt, Kemet, ancient Kush, ancient Africa, Greece, Rome, China, Japan, everything we know about them, we know through the arts. Whether it be carvings, whether it be paintings, whether it be uh, writings, everything that we know about science, technology, engineering, and math comes from our understanding of their art. Their art expressed their civilization. So in the curriculum and teaching our children, while STEM has its place, you can't forget art. And that's the one thing they keep cutting out of the curriculum. So how would you ever understand STEM if you don't understand art? So I say move from STEM to STEAM and the A stands for art. Mm, mm. I like that. I like that. Yeah, you know, with my kids, you know, we we do a lot of the hard sciences, a lot of the hard subjects, but I always say, you know, work on your drawing and work on your music. Keep, you know, create that ma'at between the two, the two uh, sides of the brain. Oh yeah. 
you know, keep that balance up. That's it. That's it. And, you know, that's another thing, because um, in teaching, particularly children and the way I see children and have seen them from ages of four up. Again, in, in, in interpretation, we get caught up in the left side of the brain and the right side of the brain. Okay. And they say the left side of the brain is analytical and the right side of the brain is analogical. The artist, uh, the musician, the, uh, the, the artist is on mainly uses the right side of the brain and the mathematician, the scientist, the logician uses the left side of the brain. But what I am saying to us as an African people is that we use the whole brain. We absorbed information, whole brain. We saw the art in chemistry and we saw the algebraic equation in music. We were able to use both sides simultaneously, not just one side of the brain or the other side of the brain, but the whole brain took it in and passed it from one side to the other. And this is what we have to teach our children, but our neurons, our nerve cells in the brain are not connected that way. Our not, neurons have been connected to be enslaved. The, our, our nerve cells have been captured and made to believe that math is hard and science is hard. I was never good at math. Well, you never had a good teacher. It wasn't that you weren't good at math. You didn't have a good teacher. Huh. Yeah. And so you were turned off from it because you didn't see where you fit in the math and science. Right. And so, you know, when you're, when you're looking at the way in which we teach, we, we have to teach from a different perspective. That's why the children are so attached to AI because it's the visual, which is the first introduction to life on earth, is what you see, what you smell, what you hear, what you touch, what you taste. And from there, your neurons connect in a way that creates what's called percepts and recepts and concepts and, and intuitions. See, this has to be taught to the teachers, brother. This is really what I'm saying more than anything else. And it has to be taught to the community because what good is all this information going into the, like a child coming to my class and learn certain things and go home to a family that don't know nothing about that. And I don't blame the family because they were never my students either. Or, stu or, or students of teachers that taught like I taught. You know, what was interesting is when I was a kindergarten teacher and I taught uh, the, the alphabet to children, the first thing I used to do on the first days of teaching them the alphabet is I would have them do a dot, uh, you know, fill in a dot and all they have to do is dots across the whole line and then go to the next page and do dots. And then next line, do dots. And for homework, they'd have to finish the page doing dots. Parents would come in and say, okay, now, <laughs> I have two children in this school and one of them is in Ms. Williams kindergarten class and one of them is in you, your class. And the child from Ms. Williams class came in and was writing the letter A. But my child come in doing dots. Can you explain to me, Mr. Coleman, what exactly is going on here? <laughs> and I say, listen, please have faith. Give me two weeks. Just have faith in what I'm doing. I, I approach teaching alphabet a little bit differently. Yeah. She said, okay. 
this happened many times, brother. I'm just giving you like I'm paraphrasing a particular way it happened. Right. Okay. We come back to that second day. We're still doing dots. Uh-huh. Homework dots. How are they writing these dots? 26 just, of them? No, no, no. Just going across the page. Just make dots going across the page. Just okay. going, doing dots across the page. All right. And filling them in. Black dots all across. Next line, black dots. Next line, black dots. Right. Okay. Second day, the same thing. Now, the third day they come, we do dot, straight line, dot, straight line, dot, straight line, dot, straight line. Next line, same thing. Next line, same thing. Okay. Parent drops off the child in my class is looking at me sideways. <laughs> hey, my, uh, Ms. Williams class, they don't want to let her be. Yeah. My child come home writing straight lines. <laughs> I mean, what's up with this? <laughs> okay. I say, have faith. I said, please give me two weeks. <laughs> two weeks and then you'll see. Yeah. Next, for a second day, we'd still do dot, straight line, dot, straight line, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Now, the last day of class, which is on a Friday, we do dot, straight line, curve line. Dot, straight line, curve line, dot, straight line, curve line. Next line, dot, straight line, curve line. I don't see the parents, okay? They come back Monday, they're still looking at me. I check the work. Here's, here's what I'm saying, and I drag the story out this way, brother, because- No, I want, no, I tell it like it is, tell it just like that. I'm following. I'm teaching manual dexterity. I get it, yeah. Because every letter that you'll ever write is gonna be one form of those three. A B right. is a straight line, half, half. A C, curve line. Yeah. A, straight line, straight line, straight line. Yeah. Manual dexterity says that if you can control your hand, you can write from A to Z with no problem. Every one of them. S is a curve line and then a curve line. Yeah. So manual dexterity, before I even taught the letters, see, everybody jumps into this stuff and I'm saying there's other things that you have to do before you get there. Yeah. And if a child has dexterity, the children in my class had some of the best penmanship for block letters, always. Because after you go through that, I can teach you to A, straight line, straight line, short straight line, B, yeah. straight line, curve line, curve line. If you manage now, while the children in Miss Williams' class knew their alphabet, their A's and B's was all over the place <laughs> because they didn't have the manual dexterity. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that, but my approach towards teaching the alphabet came from a totally different perspective. Yeah. Same thing with reading. Everybody wants children to read. The first step in literacy is listening. Okay. That's why the oral tradition became so important because what you're doing is you're building the neurons in a child's brain or in a person's brain when you read to them a vocabulary. They're listening. You're creating a vocabulary. Those words are sticking there, staying there. You're reading them stories, morals, whatever it may be. Then as that child develops, you go from them just listening to speaking. So you ask them, repeat what I just said. Say this, whatever, Mufaro, Mufaro, daughter, daughter. Now what's happening is there's a relationship 
between in the brain known as the Broca section and the Wernicke section of the brain. Broca is responsible for speech, for, for, for speech production. Wernicke is responsible for speech comprehension. So what you're actually doing is you're creating a relationship between these two areas of the brain and you're creating channels of understanding so that you're making them repeat words. They're listening to you, comprehension, and then they're speaking, broker. Listening, speaking, so it becomes a relationship. Then you introduce reading, starting with phonics. And then the fourth step and the final step is writing. The best writers are the best readers, the best readers are the best listeners, the best uh, are the best speakers and the best speakers are the best listeners. So what are they listening to? Just anything, you know, I guess you're reading to them? Or yeah, something? yeah, we sit in a circle, I sit on the floor and I read a book. Yeah. And then I'll, and then I'll ask them to repeat certain words that I'm saying. Right. So they can pronounce the word. Yeah. And what's, what's, that's the, those are the first steps in literacy. Mm. I spent weeks reading to the children before I asked them to even think about reading the book. Okay. That, and, and the same way, dot, straight line, circle, it seemed out of place. People say, well, <laughs> but you, you're building something, yeah. something that's invaluable. And when you start your literacy program in reading, you don't start with reading. You start with listening. Yeah. And then you go to speaking. Then you go to reading. Then you go to writing. That's, that's how the brain functions. Yeah. You got to know the broker part of the brain and the Wernicke part of the brain. Broker is in your, your lobe, your frontal lobe. You know, I, I mean, I know teachers that have never had brain anatomy. How are you going to teach to something you don't know? <laughs> One of the first things I think we got to do, Hotep Jesus, is teach anatomy of the brain. Uh. If you want to be a teacher, you better know what you're teaching too. You better know the amygdala and the hippocampus. You need to know parts of the brain. Yeah. Yeah. Pituitary. Yeah. Pineal, you know, limbic system, yeah. the lobes, you know, the parietal, the occipital, you know, the, the temporal. You have to know these parts of the brain. You have to study. You have to know this. That's why education is so beautiful to me because it's a science. It's an art, man. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. But if you think you just go into college, you'll get a degree, go in the classroom. See, that's where you meet that young Mike Tyson. That's going to call you out your name. <laughs> and all that stuff you learned in college don't mean a thing, man. <laughs> you know, people say to me, how can I become a good teacher? I say, go in a classroom and teach. You know, I uh, used to do teacher student, you know, uh, teachers that were in college. I, I you, know, you know, I used to always be willing to work with the young teachers coming up, coming through. And so, you know, I, you know, they would get credit in their college class for coming and working with me in my class. Right. And um, one thing I always did was I always had them teach. You know, because a lot of teachers won't let you teach. They'll let you assist them, but they won't let you teach. Right. But I would have them observe me. I would have them watch how I do what I do. And then I would say, okay, tomorrow you're going to teach. Um, punctuation yeah and they would i think 
you know, get your lesson plan, bring it in. I'll, I'll look at it before you teach it. Class is yours. Yeah. And I would sit off to the side and I would let them teach. And even when the children were getting hot up on them, I never interfered. <laughs> it, yeah. it never got crazy because they saw that I was there. So it never got crazy. Right. But, they, but I had some characters in the classroom that would definitely, yeah, we're going to get on this one. <laughs> and I would just, and, but see, you got to feel that. So how are you going to get around? If I jumped in to defend you, you wouldn't feel the heat. Yeah. What you going to do when a child does that to you? When you leave the here and you go into your classroom, what you going to do? Yeah. You know, and so, you, you know, that's how I see education. You know, mm. how we have to move to this next level of education. We have, and this is what we did in Africa, brother. I'm not, I'm not inventing anything new. Right. I just studied what was old and yeah. now I'm applying it to what is new. Right. Um, let's shift a little gears here. The other night you was talking about like populations that are gonna be dying off. Yes. Bringing up some terms and some books. You, can you walk me through that again? Well, the other thing I can do is invite people to come to my website. Okay. At kabakamine.com because I've got an entire study guide and I've got a free e-course that is, is dealing with these uh, topics and it's got a list of all these books. Okay. You know, and I've got up on webinar, man. I'm doing webinars constantly where I'm showing things, man. I did a webinar on race war, the one, one, one of the documentaries I was in. And I, uh, wow, I, I, I did a four-part webinar that lasted, I, I, I did four, but I would prepare for them. So it started in October of, of, of 19 and it ended just this February. So there's a lot of information out there. But the thing is, is that we have got to do the work on ourselves and study to know this. Yeah. Was there a particular area that I talked about that you wanted me to focus in? Because I can do that. Um, yeah, I'll tell you in just a second. Um, strange death of Europe, the death of the West, yeah. birth and dearth. Yes, birth dearth, yes. Birth dearth, yeah. Ben J. Wattenberg was the birth dearth. Douglas Murray is the strange death of Europe. Um, the death of the West is Pat Buchanan, ran for president three times, wrote a book. Uh. It's going to blow your mind what you're going to learn. And if you go to my webinar, it's going to blow your mind what you're going to learn. Yeah. Because you don't necessarily, we have never been taught to think in terms of the extinction of the Indo-European. But the fact of the matter is my concern, you know, and what I am saying should not be offensive to people who are of European or Asian descent. Right. In, in fact, you ought to be listening to what I'm saying because right. this really directly impacts you. Because when you read those books, you definitely will be different in terms of what you see. 26 states in this country, 26 states in the United States, there are more deaths than there are births. All this regentrification that you see, why? Why are they coming into black neighborhoods? Why aren't they staying in their own neighborhoods? Why aren't they going into other neighborhoods of European descent? Because they're dying out. 
and there's nothing there for them anymore. So we as black folk have always been the last resort that all of them come to. They're in our neighborhoods because their neighborhoods are dying. Think about it. Why are they coming to our neighborhood? Why would they come to our neighborhood? Uh-huh. If they're living in all of this extravaganza and they have all these services in their neighborhood and they have, why are they coming to our neighborhood that has been devastated by, by the attacks on the populace? Why are they coming to ours? Yeah. And it's because there's a dying out. With this coronavirus and with Donald Trump telling his followers, this ain't real, this is all a hoax, he's helping to kill them off. <laughs> because they're not listening to him. They're not believed. They're saying, oh, that's a democratic hoax. Oh, they don't like Trump. And so they're doing all the things that they shouldn't do. Oh, don't worry about it. Go out there and have fun. Don't worry about that. That's, that's what he, and that's what they're doing. They're dying out. They're already dying out. The extinction protocol is already happening. What's happening now? Look at Italy. Italy, where this hit was the was one of the more uh, wealthy neighborhoods, Lombardy, Milan. They're dying out. Mm. Yeah, he said this is going to have a devastating effect on Europe. This is going to wipe out populations. Forget the bubonic plague. Forget the black plague. This is something different because there's a sophistication that the human family has that they did not have back in the 1300s. And so now they're doing things and they have things uh, that they didn't have back then. And so the, the death rate is going to be very powerful. And don't let us make black folk think that you're not susceptible to this because that was the word that was out there before no 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 the one of the reasons why why africa in particular west africa specifically has been able to handle this so well is they're just coming out of ebola they've had black doctors and 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 doctors around the world school them on this they already got their situation together they know how to hunker down they know how to get out and, and stay amongst themselves. They know how to get in the presence of the sun and how to get sunlight to be able to retrieve and to help them cure themselves. It's not because they couldn't get them. It's that they're smart enough and they've experienced it not too long ago and they know how to deal with it. Uh. Viruses don't care who you are. If they can get in, they gonna get in. <laughs> yeah. Now you said something like your population has to have like a 2.6 growth rate or something like that in order for it to survive. It, 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 it's called a, a TFR, a total fertility rate. This comes out in uh, Ben Wattenberg's uh, birth dearth. That demographers, people who study populations, growth and decline, for a civilization to be able to project itself into the future. Every family should produce 2.6 children. They just give that arbitrary number. But to round it out, it means that every 10 families should be producing 26 children. And what is happening is that in many European countries, they are producing somewhere between 1.3 and 1.6 children, which means every 10 families, instead of having 26, have 13 instead of 26, have 16 instead of 26. Right now, they're in a position where 
they're, they're living a life that is not impacting them. They're, they have jobs and they're making money and they're not having children because they want to save money because the society in what it's charging to raise a child is making most people who are childbearing not have children. Or they're having, I'm only going to have one child. But they're not seeing that you really should have at least three. Uh. You ain't going to have 2.6, but you should have at least three. Right. To keep your people in place. And when you listen to people who are called white supremacists, I call them white fragilists. When you listen to their chant, the one thing you keep hearing them say is, they will not replace us. There's a reason why they're saying this. Because they know that the melanated peoples are replacing them. Uh. And one of the problems in Europe, and even in America, the reason why they have immigration, they don't want the immigrants. They need a tax base. They need Muslims, be African or from Iraq or wherever, or Turkey, wherever. They need them to work in Italy or France to be able to collect taxes from them to keep their tax base in place. Uh. Because their populations are dying. Uh. And they don't have a tax base. Uh. That's why the migrant um, flood is happening now. That's exactly the same exact thing. And there's half of the half of the population say, we don't, we don't want them brown people up in here. Yeah. And the other side is saying, but who's gonna pick the fruit? Who's gonna pick? <laughs> you know, who's gonna do that to keep you know the orchards moving? Who's gonna, you know, you know, who's gonna uh, uh, work in the restaurants at minimal pay? You know, yeah. my restaurant gonna have to close. If we don't have some migrants up in here, we don't have people working on the farms, we don't have people working in our industries, that we don't have to pay them what we pay the citizen. So I have to say, I don't care. I don't want them brown people around me. The others say, well, they got to be around you. Yeah. They got to be around you because we need them here. So there, there is an internal struggle here going on between them. I'm talking about peoples of European descent. I, I, I call it the reverse Willie Lynch syndrome. Uh. There's an internal battle going on. Yeah. Don't want it, migrants, immigrants. Must have the migrants and immigrants. And they're battling each other. What's the answer? Because if you don't let them in, your civilization is going to die. If you do let them in, they're going to take your civilization over. Dan, if you do, Dan, if you don't. Rock in a hard place, brother. Uh, so what's the answer? Three the answer is black people mind our business and get ourselves <laughs> together. Because <laughs> when we was on the plantation, we was not busying on what was happening up in the big house. Because we knew that was going to go down anyway. But, you know, black people will tell you, you know, the other day, you know, Donald Trump called the virus the Chinese virus. And then black people are all up in arms saying, oh, we can't call it that. It's racist. And every time something happens to somebody, they call it POC. And we got to fight for the Mexicans. And we got to fight for every other culture. See, like we superheroes for every other culture but ourselves. And I always say, just mind your business. This is the perfect time to mind your business. Absolutely. And, and you say... You see, I see South Americans as brothers and sisters. Okay. They're black, man. They're black. But they, see, but they hate us, though. No, they hate themselves. Uh. They hate their Africanness. We only, we only remind them of who they are. 
but they don't, they don't hate you. They don't hate me. They hate the fear that has been put inside of them to hate anything that is brown or black. They don't hate you. They hate themselves. And, and we, we have to understand that about what is happening here. Because right now you see they're building a wall. The last time they built a wall was Wall Street and that was to keep black folk in and Native Americans from being able to go in. When they build a wall, they say, you're not like me, I don't want you here. When Muslims are not allowed here, they, 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 they call like Arabs, if you wanna call them that, I don't know what that means, but those people who would be called Arabs, I call them Afrabs, but let's call them Arabs for now. They call them sand niggas. <laughs> they call Hispanics niggas that speak Spanish. Yeah. But no matter how you look at it, they look at you as a nigger. And that's yeah. all you'll ever be in their eyes. And the first thing that every group should do when they come to America is sit at the feet of the United States African that has, been, that has lineage from the plantation because we know how to deal with this. Because uh. we dealt with it before. We dealt with the devil before. Yeah. And not only did we deal with the devil, we beat the devil at the devil's game. Yeah. So why are you going to come here and think you're going to do this on your own? If black folk ain't involved, you ain't going nowhere. Yeah. That's just the way America is. Are you familiar with- stamped our presence in America. Are you familiar with the work of Margaret Sanger and, and Planned Parenthood? Yes, I am. I'm, 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 I'm familiar with that concept. It has evolved over time, but yeah, I am. But if I were them, I would do the same thing. <laughs> no, listen, come on. You know, see, here's the other piece, and I'm not saying this to be flip or funny, yeah. but, you know, my mother used to always say that, like, for, you know, like she always thought that I talked a little bit too much. And she used to say to, to be able to defeat your enemy, you got to know your enemy. You got to walk a mile in your enemy's shoes. Yeah. You have to think like that. If I were a fragile person of European descent, and I knew that the lack of melanin in, in my reproductive organ, see, melanin in the woman's egg creates a magnetic effect. Melanin in the male spermatozoa, in the microtubular or in the tail creates an electricity. Because once a man presents his sperm inside of a woman's body through ejaculation. Once that sister stands up, that sperm is working against gravity. That sperm has to have the type of power to be able to travel when it should be falling down through the woman's body. So the tail of the spermatozoon, which is the singular, spermatozoa is plural. Once the sperm, a melanated, a well-melanated sperm cell has the electricity to travel, has power electricity to travel. The egg of the woman has a magnetic that draws the sperm to the egg. So that between the electricity and the magnetism, you have a cosmic effect known as electromagnetism that creates fertilization, creates life. Right. In the ice age, that ability of, to produce melanin in the reproductive systems of men and women, it diminished considerably. And that is why they are sterile and potent, impotent. 
because the European male's sperm does not have electricity that it needs. And I'm not speaking in absolutes. I'm not saying no, all of them are like that. And the, 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 the woman of European descent egg does not have the magnetic effect to draw the sperm. And so when, when you have that, you're going to have, along with everything else, you're gonna have problems giving birth. You're gonna have a society that is charging you too much to be a parent. And so eventually those families that are having one child, they're gonna die off. They're dying off now. Right. I'm not doing personal, this ain't personal. This is science. Yeah. And peoples of Eurasian descent should be listening to me closer than black folks should. <laughs> because this is directly to you. If you want to survive, well, I'm not going to tell you what the only, the only answer to survive is. I'm not going to say that because a lot of black folk get on my case. <laughs> so, so I'm going to leave that alone, but I'm, but I'm just going to tell us, you know, as we move forward, brother, we have to think critically, analyze critically. Yeah. and understand what the future is and how to grapple with it and how to move forward with it. You know, there is only one race on our planet. That is the human race. And that human race was born to be black. Oh. It's just simple like that. <laughs> and the world is going black. Yeah. It's going black. Uh. And eventually even brown people. It's all going black. So if you're, if you're of European descent and Asian descent, you're going to have a mixture. If you are Asian descent and you're African, you have a mixture. But pretty soon those mixtures are going to move in, move in, move in, move in. And pretty soon all you're going to have is what was on the planet for a million years anyway, which is black people. Uh. The reason you're European, Europeans and Asian exist because of a mistake. Oh, my God. But they're going to be taken off the planet on purpose. <laughs> I'm not saying this in anger. What do you mean on purpose? How? By who? Because the first thing they should have done when they came out of the ice was to rejoin the melanated family. Right. Instead of only inbreeding amongst themselves. So who's going to take them out on purpose? Nature. Oh, They're shit. dying of skin cancer. They're dying of drugs. They're dying of infertility and impotency. Uh -huh. this, is, this is what's happening. There's another book titled Saving Your Skin by doctors uh, Barney Kennett and Patricia Lawler that talk about the levels of melanomas that are existing now on the planet. This is very real, this is science, this isn't personal. And I know that for us as African people, having been treated the way we've been treated and experienced what we've experienced, it sort of brings a little pleasure to think that they will no longer be on the planet because all this stuff will end or at least most of it will end. But I'm not saying it for that reason. Right. I'm not, I, I, I would not say it because then I'm, be, I'm doing the same thing, if not worse, that they have done. Yeah. I'm only trying to analyze this. When you study the human family, you see that those that could not adapt to new ways, they died off. There are many branches of the human family of the six forms of humans that died off. 
And the only ones that were able to elevate themselves to the next level were the ones that could adapt to the new way of life at that time. Every one of them had their geniuses. Just like we have our geniuses in our society, there were geniuses amongst Australopithecus robustus. Yeah. There, there were some people that just started to dig holes and put food, uh, put seeds. For their generation, they were geniuses. They did the best they could with what they had. There were some of them that could adapt. There were some of them that did not. The ones that adapted moved to the next level. The ones that could not died off. And that's the fate of the Eurasian over the next thousand years. <laughs> Let's take a step back because in America, from where I'm sitting is a, a, a clear dichotomy. It's basically the black liberal versus the hoteps. And um, I'm just trying to figure out a good tactic and strategy to get through to the black liberals. Uh, I know a lot of them are uh, corporate shells. So I'm not really talking about them. I'm talking about more or less their audience, especially when it comes to this whole Planned Parenthood thing, you know, um, they're running with this whole uh, pro-choice thing. Where do you sit on the pro-choice, pro-life argument? And how do you see that? And abortion? I, I am 100% against abortion. 100%, okay. But I'm 110% against bringing a child into the world that's not wanted. Okay. I've seen too many of them. And I've been to, with too many of them. The sadness and the pain that they experienced because they weren't wanted. Uh, and if, to me, if a woman is not prepared to be, because as a parent, brother, l let me tell you, man, as a parent, uh, that's a great challenge, brother. Yeah, it is. Yo, man, when I was rocking back in the day before I was married with children, man, I had a uh, shopping bag said Mad Hatter, man, Shirt King. When I started having children, man, my shopping bag started saying Toys R Us and mm -hmm. Kids R Us. And yeah. when my check came in before the day, man, I was thinking about where I was going, what I was going to do. When you are married and you're a responsible parent, brother, that check go into the family, man. And your first thought is, what is what does the youngest child need? and then the next, and then the next, and then the wife, and then if there's a little change left over, what about me? Right. Okay, in this immediate gratification atmosphere that we're living in, there are people not prepared to make that sacrifice, brother, not prepared to be a parent. Right. And the worst thing you can do is bring a loving organism into a world that is not wanted. Yeah. And so while while I am against abortion, and I tell people, don't tell me no story about when that became a living being. The moment that child was conceived in that woman's womb, that became a human being, and an abortion is killing that fetus. We can't sugarcoat it. You're killing a human being. Accept it. Yeah. Understand it. But at the same time, I've seen too many unwanted children in foster care. I've taught too many children in foster care and in the prison industrial complex who will tell you stories of what their parents did to them because they, they, they rejected them and refused them. Yeah. Well, again, we have to have a critical analysis. There is no real, for me, there's no real answer. We are living in a time where if you go to Africa in the ancient world, 
because it was basically agrarian society, it was to the advantage of the, of the community to have as many children as possible. Mm. And once a young girl can pass her first egg, nature is telling you she is prepared to be a mother. It may take a year or two to really firm her body up to be able to really be a very strong body to carry a child. But the ancient world, most mothers were teenage mothers. Uh. So the idea of it's bad to be a teenage mother, that's not natural and that's not true. But in this society, to be a teenage mother puts a burden on that woman. Particularly if there's not a society, particularly the man that impregnated her, that is going to take and help take care of that child. Uh -huh. So again, in a society that promotes it, they would never have abortion. They don't want abortion. Every child is precious. Right. Every child is needed. Every child is given by the creator. Every elder. There wasn't a word in most African communities. There wasn't a word for uh, a senior citizen's home. There was never a word for orphanage for children because they never put their children in orphanages and their elders in senior homes. <laughs> so that which never exists in your society, you don't need a word to call it forward. Yeah. But we're not there now. We're not there. We're in a very real world right now where it, it's very uh, uh, steep towards a psychosexual mentality, where everything is being sold to us through a psychosexual mentality, whether it be music or whether it be cars or whether it be food. Our children are picking up these messages and they're engaging in the act, not knowing what the responsibilities are. What do we do? We're not in ancient Africa. <laughs> We're in the United States of America that runs by a totally different set of rules. Yeah. So we have to be careful as we approach these topics and understand that there's a, there's a Maatian balance that we have to look at. Yes, yeah. there's nuances to it. A lot of people want you to be, you know, one or the other. Are you pro-choice, yeah. you pro-life and it's, and if you can't pick one, you know, or you pick the wrong one, then it's, you know, you out the door. Yeah. And I feel like, ah, it's not like that. You know, some cases you got to take this stuff on a case by case basis. You can be both. That's ma'at. That's balance. Right. See, that's the beauty of ma'at. When you know balance, you know that, you know, like I've often told people, you can do the right thing at the wrong time. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes. And so it just becomes so important for us to understand balance and to analyze something from a different critical eye, as opposed to what you just firmly believe. I am absolutely against abortion. Yeah. And I understand what the death of the fetus does to the family and to the community. Yeah. But I've also bore witness to unwanted children. Yeah. Now, people say, well, you should have them anyway, but are you going to pay those bills? <laughs> you, know, you, know, you, can, you can tell them what they need to do, but are you going to be there when the baby cries at three in the morning? Are you going to be there when they want to go to college and you're going to pay their college too? So, you know, if you ain't going to be part of it, you really have to be careful what you tell people to do. Uh. You know, it's the same thing with brothers and sisters that are working these jobs. 
They say, oh man, you're working for the man, man. You shouldn't be doing that. You should be, but are you willing to hire me? <laughs> you know, can you put food on my table? Will you take care of my rent? Because if you can't, then you got to understand, I got to do what I got to do to get where I got to go. Yeah. And what you're saying may be very true. And what you're saying may be what I really want to do. But my reality is I got to pay my rent. And I've got to put food on my table. I have family that I have to take care of. And so I got to do things that I may not want to do, but I do. And maybe my generations that follow me will be able to improve on where I am. But if I don't do what I do, they cannot do what they should do. Right. Do you think we could ever go back to a time where we live off the land and have technology simultaneously? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And that's where eventually that's where it's going to be. When? I don't know. But that is the answer. And there's enough of us that are beginning to see it. Even people of European descent are getting into this health food craze. That was something black folk did all the time. You know, um, so that uh, I say health food craze, what do you mean? Well, a lot of people now are very much into drinking the, uh, the pure water. They think it's pure water. Um, they're into getting more of a plant-based um, diet. Uh, the the, the, the um, gyms are exploding all over the country, you know. So, so, you know, even those that did not pay attention to that years ago are now beginning to pay attention, you know, to the different ways that we have to be very careful about the things that we're doing. And you, you know? say when Black folks were doing that, what do you mean? I mean that black folk had plant-based diets. They exercised every day. Uh, part of their life was the natural way of living. They did that as a natural way and they did it outdoors under the sun. Uh. So it was something that being one with nature opens up doorways to you that you understand what it is that you should or must do. You know, and, and so that was the original way of life. You know, and there were times that we may have partaken in meat. Uh, we had a bad growing season or maybe something else happened and we may have eaten a couple birds or something like that. Uh, but the idea was, is that we, we weren't really carnivorous. We, we, we were really, um, you know, uh, um, eating plants more than anything else. Right, right. Um... As, a, as a people, but there are, and I don't speak in absolutes, so there are give and take in everything that I say. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I hear a lot of people these days, uh, especially black left, they're really like proponents of communism and socialism, uh, mostly because of the historical attachments to um, the Black Panther Party, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and uh, many of them come off as anti-capitalist. And, uh, you know, for me, I see capitalism to be a, a word that carries the meaning and a few people understand. And I think that capitalism in its state, which I call modern capitalism, we deal with fractional reserve banking, usury, and all the technology that happens up at Wall Street is completely different from a free market society. And um, I see socialism and communism as a centralization of power. Um, how do you view these systems uh, as capitalism and socialism? Because I feel like capitalism, socialism, communism, I feel like these systems are obsolete when you deal with a people or a culture uh, who has great morals. I feel like when you have great morals, the uh, economic system for the means of exchange of goods and services uh, becomes voluntary instead of forced and coerced. 
my brother, it goes back to critical analysis. First of all, people don't even know what communism is. Okay. Again, you've adapted, I'm not saying you, but I'm saying society has adapted a European, a Eurasian view of African systems. If you wanna see a perfect economic system, look to what was developed after the revolution of Haiti and what the Haitian revolution brought forward as an economic system. One of the things we have a problem, particularly in school, is we don't know the difference between a political system and an economic system. We confuse it. Right. The political systems are communism and democracy. So okay. the economic systems is capitalism and socialism. Okay. And I hear a lot of people talk about Man, you know, you know, I have a problem with um, uh, socialism and democracy. But you're mixing apples and oranges. Yeah. The relation is between socialism and capitalism, communism as a political system, and a democracy as a political system. Okay. Just like the way they interpreted the Bible, just as they interpreted the writings of Africans on the wall. They misinterpreted the meanings of the words of communism. Just look at communism and socialism. Look at the root word, to commune, yeah, to be social. Yeah. That's a beautiful thing. Right. But when you have in Russia, communism with an oligarchical capitalistic system. Yeah. When you have China, that has the same type of system. There's no difference between Russian communism and American democracy. Ooh. You have very rich that are running things. Say that again. Wow. I, you know, I always tell people, <laughs> I have to think of how I said it. You said there's no difference. There's no between... difference between Russian communism, right? Yeah. And American democracy. Oh. Because the oligarchs, the rich, it's a capitalistic system. Yeah. But they call it communist. Yeah. It's not communist. Yeah. You, you, you have a certain group of rich people that run things. And the same in China. Rich people run things and the populace suffers. Yeah. So it's hard to have a conversation about democratic socialism. And please don't take me up into Europe like Sweden and them places. <laughs> because I don't want to, because that has nothing to do with the real way in which you run a government, which is governance and the economic system. Yeah. My area of specialty was social sciences. Okay. Five subjects I covered teaching and developing for the children. Geography, history, politics, economics and social. These five areas are important in terms of the curriculum because they answer the who, what, whys and wheres. Geography answers the question where. History answers the question when. Politics answers the question how. Economics, uh, what, and social, who. The who, what, wheres. Those social sciences answer those questions. Economics 
deals with the what. The word economics, the root word is oikos, O-I-K-O-S. It's a Greek word which means your home or your environment. So economy means to know your environment. It don't mean money. Right. It means to know your environment, which is agriculturally based which is technologically based, which is when you know your environment, you know your home, you know how to use it to be able to advance the society for. Right. Economy. Politics is how, how do you govern? How do you control? How do you develop a system that people will follow that is in their best interest in order to move the society forward? Right. And so what we're dealing with is first, let's define communist. Look, there's nothing, capitalism is basically what I'd like to, from an African perspective, you have individualism, you have cooperation, you have competition. I see competition, I see capitalism as cooperative competition. Okay. If you're working in AI and I'm working in AI and you come upon something that is really good, you share that information with me. I then adapt your information and I show you from my interpretation what I have added to what you said, going back to the innovation and the assimilation. Mm -hmm. As you rise, I rise. As I rise, you rise. That is competitive competition. Right. But when I'm dog eat dog with you, and I'm going to get ahead of you, or you're going to get ahead of me, it may work for those moments, but it will collapse eventually. Yeah. Because distrust is going to be there. Yeah. So that when I look at capitalism, there will always be people who work harder than other people. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's like what, what you're doing. Okay. There are some brothers that are working at a certain pace. Okay. And they're happy at that pace. Yeah. And they're able to take care of their family at that pace. But Hotep Jesus come along and say, no, no, no. Okay. Yeah. I want that, but I want more. I want, I'm going to work harder so that when someone else may be taking a break and chilling out and at the bar with their little beer, you're in your studio doing work. Yeah. You deserve to be compensated for that. Absolutely. That's just the way it is. Yeah. You deserve what you get. Yeah. If you work hard and you dedicate, and if, the fa if your family around you supports you and understands that, well, dad has to go to a meeting today. He can't take me here or take me there then you deserve to be able to now turn back to your family and say, you, you, you see how you were understanding when I had to do that? Okay, now here's what I'm going to do for you. Right. Go on vacation, go to a special activity. Your family deserves that. You deserve it. That's how I see capitalism. Yeah, yeah. You see, so we have to redefine these words. Right. First. We have to interpret them differently. Yeah. Because, uh, you, you know, the guy on MSNBC, what is his name? Um, uh, Chris Matthews. Okay. Uh, when uh, Bernie Sanders looked like he was winning. Yeah. 
like Chris Matthews, you know, had one of those Cuba Fidel flashbacks. <laughs> and he compared um, Sanders winning um, like Iowa or something to the Nazis coming into France. When Bernie Sanders was running in Florida last week, and he's talking about democratic socialism, there's a lot of Cuban people down there that had Fidel flashbacks. Yeah. He lost the Cuban population because people don't understand what democratic socialism is. They don't understand what, I don't think Bernie Sanders knows what the word is. Uh, what is it? It's far, it, it, it is when you contribute a certain amount of your, like for instance, 25, 25, 50. 25% of your earnings, your total earnings, 25% of your earnings is your personal earnings. Okay. 25% of your earnings goes to the government. Okay. 50% goes to business, but to your business. Wait, business I, I personally own as an individual or as a community? In Africa, everybody had their own business. Right. On the farm. Everybody had their own farm. So it was their business. In IT, after the revolution, everybody had their own farm. They were given land. So that was your business. So 50% of your earnings went back into your business, whatever it was. It didn't right. have to be a farm. It could have been shoes or whatever. It doesn't go to the corporations. So when I say business, I'm not talking about 50% of your money goes. That's why I believe that, there sh that, that a society should be inspired by business, but regulated by law. There is a place for the government a central government. There is a place for government and government must be financially supported to make that happen. Whether it be medicine, whether, you know, the medical, whether it be education, whether it be the fire department, whether it be sanitation, that's government. That's a good thing. Money should go there. What you earn, 25% of what you earn should go to you to develop your house, things you want in your house. You want to go on vacation. You want to do this, you want 25% go, but 50% goes to your business to build the society up. But it's your business you're investing in. Right. Maybe in your neighbor's business that you're investing in. Right. But whatever it is, that 50% of your investment is going into you building you and yours, mm -hmm. not somebody else. Right. That's going to take that money and run off with it. So what I'm seeing is in America is, well, first of all, let me just say, I disagree with the point you made, right? So I can preface where I'm going with this. I don't think we should govern capitalism. I think capitalism should be ungoverned. I think the problem with capitalism today is the fact that it is governed. It, they, the, the oligarch, the big money capitalists have taken so much control of the government that they create laws that literally squash small business. Do you don't see that? No, I do see that. But, and, and you see, I was gonna let you say what you say, but I'm not saying that. Okay. You know, I'm not saying that government should control business. I okay. am saying that government should be there to support the populace with education, okay. medical care, sanitation department, fire department, security systems, Okay, they're not controlling business. You're controlling your business. 
You see, again, we got to go you don't back. Think to the work. private sector could handle things such as garbage and sewage and all that. Say that again. You don't think the private sector could handle that? They could. I think they'd manage it better than but, the government would. Well, they could. And, and if in a particular society they found that they could, then it should be adapted. It, it might be shared. There's a number of ways it could be done. Yeah. What I'm laying out is just the idea of 25, 25, and 50. Okay. But and that's voluntary, that, no? Oh, it has to be. It has to be. Okay. It, 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 you know, man, it has to be. Look, get up off my back. I'm telling people, get up off my back, whoever it may be. Let me be me. Let me do me. You do you. I ain't getting in your business. I belong to a very exclusive club. It's a long title to the club I belong to. The title is I mind my own damn business. Because the day I started minding my own damn business was the day I came to realize how much damn business I had to mind. Mm. And I just want people to get up off. I think that every human being should have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I think that there are certain organizations that meet the needs and solves the problems of people. And I know that in, if in my business, what I do, whatever it is, education consultant, whether it be um, a go, um, a writing books or, or, or doing programs such as this one, I know that if I had funds that I had generated that allowed me to extend my business out, I would want to spend a, an important amount of my, my, my funds, my economics to build up my business. Right. I don't need a government telling, coming in and telling me how to do it. Right. That's why I got the business. So I'm not talking about government regulation of the business. I okay. am talking about meeting the needs of certain found, foundational things. If there's an emergency, a tornado comes through. A lot of times the government would be able to help. Right. Your business could help too. Your mm -hmm. neighbor could help too. So nothing I'm saying is an absolute. So what I'm saying is that our whole, our whole look at communism, socialism, Capitalism, it's, it's misdefined. Mm. It's not defined properly. It's interpreted from a different perspective. Yeah. I believe in business. I've got two. I believe in business. And, you know, I'm, I'm just very proud of the business. But I just think that we need to uh, be able to uh, do what's necessary. Can you still see me, brother? Yeah, I can still see you. Yeah, because my screen just went black, but my camera light is still on. Yeah, and no, I see you. Okay. Um, but yeah. I, I mean, that's, you know, that's what I meant by that. We need people uh, to be able to be a part of every aspect of our life. We should not have people. Oh, shit. Looks like he dropped out. Hopefully he hit the link and come back. I, you know what I think happened was I think his computer started to die. That's what I think happened. Shout out to um, Danny K. He says, more on the Haitian Revolution economic system. Yeah, if we get um, Brother Kaba back, I definitely will have him answer that question for you. Um, shout out to the chat. Shout out to everybody in the chat showing love. Logan, I see your super chats. I appreciate you on them dollars, but I can't be... <laughs> I can't be reading that shit. <laughs> you funny, though. Shout out to the hoteps in the chat, all my real hoteps in the chat. Appreciate you for coming through. Mac L. Bay, Mock L. Bay, I see you. Olivia, thanks again for coming through and supporting, as always. Um, I think I seen um, 
Black Mile Hotep in here. Yeah, Black Mile Hotep, I see you. Jay, what's up? Sir Hottest, I see you. What's up, homie? Appreciate you coming through, getting this good knowledge. Um, there's a lot. This this brother has so much knowledge. Like, there's a lot we could cover. Um, and um, I'm probably going to bring him back again to kind of dive into uh, maybe some, some particular topics more granularly to get more specific and really pick at some of these topics. Um, somebody said, where did I find this guy? Um, this is one of my teachers. This is one of my teachers from afar. I've been following him on uh, YouTube for a really long time and just been studying his work and studying his research, um, which provided a, a lot to the uh, assistance of my uh, current knowledge base. Um, but this is the OG in the Hotep community. If you Hotep, you Hotep for real, for real. You know Kaba. This Kaba right here. Your computer died? I don't know, brother. Did it? I don't know. It it, it, it disconnected you from the room. Okay. Um, hold on a minute. Do you still uh, have the link? Well, it, well, I, I, I guess it must have just uh, shut down, man. Really? Uh, yeah. Um, but I can go back in, um, and, uh, reset it if you want. Yeah. Yeah. You can hop right back in and we'll start to close out. Okay, man. You, you got the link, right? Yeah, man. I got the link from the other day. No, not that link. The zoom oh. link I sent you today. Uh, yeah. The, yeah. The zoom, uh, hold on. Yeah. I sent it to your, your Twitter DMs just now. So in case you, you need it again, it's there. Okay. Yeah. And, and and did I go on? I think I went on Chrome, right? Uh, yeah. It should it shouldn't matter with with Zoom. It should open up your Zoom software. Okay, let me see what I can do. Yeah, check your um your Twitter DMs. You should have the uh the link there. And uh, somebody said, "Damn, we going deep." Great guess. Um, somebody said, I want to buy a Hotep t-shirt and sweatshirt. You got to, man. Link is in the description box below. Also, uh, Kaba Kamene, his link is in the description in the box below. So you guys can go to his website. Um, in fact, he sends you, as soon as you sign up on his website, um, I mean, you'll get these daily emails and I've been studying them, um, coincides a lot with what I understand about, um, spiritual consciousness, et cetera. Um, but it's a wealth of information, real, real, real good stuff. I've been studying all week. Um, and that stuff comes straight, straight to you free. Um, so, you know, right from his, uh, teachings of some of his, uh, published work. Tell me brother, where did you say that you sent the, um, check your Twitter DMS. I'll even, um, I'll email it to you too. One day I'm gonna have a studio and we're gonna be flying people out to the studio so we don't have these issues and we'll have an editor and everything. Hold on. I might, um, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna email it to you. Uh, 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 your, 
email me what, brother? Uh, the Zoom link. Okay, yeah, that's good. Email it to co uh, common A777. Yeah, it's there. It's sent. Yeah, see, conversation was too hot, man. Yeah, that conversation how you start talking that real. Yeah, <laughs> the powers that be. They said, oh, no, hold on, bro. <laughs> Somebody said they saw me on Rogan. Yeah, word up. Appreciate you, yo. Dagger said he got the studio in Texas. Dagger, we might have to do a remote location broadcast, man. Come, come fuck with you on that studio. Did you get that email? Coming in. All right, cool. He'll be right back, y'all. He he got the link now. He'll be right back. And, and I'm going to shut the phone off. All right, cool. All right, hang up. Yeah, he'll be back in just a second here. And we'll, um, there you go. All right, yeah, I see you. Okay, we good? Yeah, we good. Oh, good, brother. Okay, fine. Yeah, man, that was, hey, man, it was getting hot, brother. <laughs> yeah. Space couldn't handle it, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I spent the last, uh, I want to say, five years studying economics, um, the systems, um, uh, capitalism and communism, the, the, the historical roots. And and it's one thing you said I definitely agree with. You said we have to start to redefine these things mm -hmm. um, because when I found out, you know, about these systems, I saw two things about socialism. I saw because I went I went from being one of those people that's like, oh, socialism is bad, to being like, well, when you say socialism, what do you mean, right? <laughs> because there's some very righteous roots in socialism or socialist circles that had their head on straight that were practicing socialism without the interference of a uh, central government. And then I found that there's the oligarch controlled version of uh, socialism, which is uh, quite dangerous where they take uh, all decision-making and they centralize it. And um, I think we see that now with the uh, United States federal government where uh, all decisions are, 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 are centralized. We're seeing that today with the coronavirus where they're forcing people to shut their stores, especially small business are, are forced to close their doors, which I feel like is a very communistic thing to do. And I'm saying communistic, not in the ideology, but very historical Mao, Lenin, <laughs> Trotsky type things, you know what I mean? Like very oppressive. Um, and it's, and, and another thing you said that I agree with is saying socialism as being voluntary. I think if it's voluntary, it makes sense. But when you force people to say, hey, give me 25% of your check, it's like, wait, I can't even afford 25% of my check. I think that's when you know socialism or communism as an economic system goes awry. But um, you see, what you do, and, and because we're in the Western civilization, we are in a mindset of control and domination. Right. So many of the things that we interpret come from that type of view. Right. When I say that you, there's a choice, the choice is 
in the hearts of our people, man, when you go down south, even up north, I shouldn't even put a region on it. But in many of our homes that have been through a lot, our grandmothers, our aunts, our mothers sometimes fed many of our friends knowing that they couldn't eat. That was socialism. Yeah. Not in the word that we use it as an economic system. Right. It's here. Right. Grandmother knew that the more food she gave to other people would take food away from her own family. But there was a collective responsibility. There was a communalism. Yeah. That drives us to help each other. Even if it means we'll have a little less, it means that somebody else will have a little more. So the choices that you make, you know, you call it whatever you want. We just, in English, we use the word socialism to mark. They don't use that in, in, in Russian. The word for communism isn't communism in Russia. <laughs> you know, yeah. the word don't make a difference. It's, it's what's in your head. And the idea is, is that everything that you do, if we can just strip away all words and just look at looking at life. Yeah. If, if I'm making a certain amount of money, and if I know that if I take 25% of that, and again, numbers will change. I'm not even saying numbers have to be, I'm just putting it so that we can get a right. sense of the balance. Right, right. 25% goes to a centralized government Yeah. where people do things for me because I don't have the time to do it because I'm doing what I'm doing. Right. So they are the ones that are ensuring that if you get sick, you'll be taken care of. Uh, they are the ones that make sure that uh, you have a fire department. They are the ones that's making sure that you have what you need. That's the government okay. part of it. Then you have yourself, you get 25%. But what fuels an economy is what you do for it. Production. That's why it should be more than your own personal gain or government, because the business is what fuels the success of the society. And in our society, that piece is missing. Say again? In our society, that piece is missing. Well, the concept of doing it for yourself is missing. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, because the money that you make that goes to business goes to a business that don't give a flying self about you. Yeah. They're, they're oppressing you. Yeah. They're, they're taking money from the society for a vampiristic, cannibalistic way. Yeah. So the business is about you, your business, what you do. So the money goes back to you, which allows your overall income to rise, which means the 25%, 25% is going to rise too, as it relates to how much you're going to receive. Right. But we have to redefine these words. We, we have to move away from Western mindset. Yeah. Because they are ice age mentality. <laughs> and the decisions they make, they make for very dangerous reasons. But one advantage to having someone in the White House as we have that individual now is the fact that he is not the image of the problem. He's the reflection of it. Uh. And, and we have to understand that we all want to blame him. And in many ways you can, but who put him there? <laughs> who keeps him there? Who stopped him from being impeached? Yeah. Who hasn't spoken to him? 
So he's not the image of the problem. He's a reflection of it. Uh. And so we have got to come to certain grips about redefining, looking at things differently, and being able to adjust to a society because we already did it on the plantation. We already had that kind of democratic socialist society. We already had that, yeah. if you want to call it that. Right. On the plantation, we are we shared. Right. We shared because we understood that the way life has it, you ain't gonna be the sun every day. Sometimes you're gonna be the moon. Right. But if on my day of being the sun, I shine on you and you create moonlight. Maybe when you're the sun and I'm the moon, you'll remember what I did for you and you'll shine on me and I'll get some moonlight. Right, right. And so the idea is that we always help each other. We always move each other to the next level, knowing that it may take a little bit from us, but it will give for them. And the next time around, they, I mean, how many stories have we seen where it's happened? Somebody's been helped at the lowest part of their life. They were able to climb up, do great things, and then come back to help the person that had originally helped them out of that situation. Yeah. That's ma'at, brother. Reciprocity. Yeah. What goes around comes around. Ma'at, truth, justice, balance, harmony order and arrangement, ethics and respect. Yeah. That's ma'at, that's what runs societies. That's what allows societies to survive. That's what making this society fall apart because those important ingredients to what makes a great civilization isn't there. Mm. We yeah. are in the middle of a perfect storm. Mm. Not only a most serious situation has come upon us, but the most inept, incompetent person is in charge of handling. <laughs> It's a perfect storm, brother. And what we have to do is we have to navigate our vessel and do what's necessary against all odds. Yeah. I feel better. I feel better with Trump as president than the options we were laid out. Well, here we are. <laughs> here we are, brother. This is it. This is it. He, he represents to me everything that's wrong with him. That's wrong with what? Europeans. As a society. Okay. How so? He doesn't, he's, he's very ignorant and he's arrogant in his ignorance. Yeah. He blamed everybody else for the problems that he has. He's like Mr. Magoo. <laughs> he is Mr. Magoo. You know, Mr. Magoo is the kind, he's nearsighted or farsighted or something. And, and he'd be crashing into everything. And everybody that has good vision is trying to get out of his way and they're bumping in the stuff. Yeah. And everybody get hurt but him. Yeah. That's the way he's been these past three and something years. Yeah. And, and he lies. And he's a congenital liar. He lies to be lying. Uh -huh. And so here we are faced with this when we thought we were in the post-Obama years that everything was all right now because we had our black president. Now here we are looking at the world from a whole nother kind of perspective in one of, in, in a rather deep emergency. Yeah. And it may be a deep emergency, it may not be. We may be out of this in a month. Yeah. We may be in this longer, but his ignorance is making everybody think this ain't going away no time soon. I feel like- Because he doesn't know how to handle it. I feel like I feel like it's not Trump, it's the media. The Trump highlights media, highlights, hey. highlights Trump. 
highlights all his his shortcomings and broadcasts it like it's important. Like they wake up in the morning, they go, what's Trump doing, right? Instead of waking up in the morning and talking about more important things, they're like, what's Trump doing? Every day he's been the center of our conversation. Yeah. Every day, something somehow has been about him. I know why his father put him in that military academy in high school. Yeah. Because he probably brought the same kind of chaos to his house that he brought to America <laughs> in 2016. <laughs> you think he's trying to make money? You yeah. know, they're trying to make money. They're trying to get you uh, tuned in. They're just right. as bad. Right. They're all bad. Malcolm said it. Yeah. Malcolm said that, you know, the media can make you think anything. And he used World War II as an example. Yeah. He said, you know, in World War II, China and Russia were our friends and, and Germany, Italy and Japan were our enemies. After World War II, Germany, Italy and Japan became our friends and China and Russia became our enemies. And right. it all was because how the media directed the information. Right. Right. So that's why I say when the media, that's why I say if the all media, of them, bro. right. That's why I say if the media say go left, I'm going right. And the media yeah. is painted Donald Trump as his bad guy, which makes me think, oh, he can't be the bad guy they say he is. Well, he's well, he's not very bright. Man. I'll tell you that now. Just by observing the way he conducts himself, he's not a very intelligent person. He is a person that has hung on his family's wealth and has been excused. I've known so many children like him yeah. in so many different ways yeah. that family know they got a problem with him, but they <laughs> try to make excuses for him. Yeah. And the more, he make, the more they make excuses for him, the worse he acts. Yeah. And then he gets smart enough to know I can get away with this. Yeah. And then he starts doing things and, and, he, and he starts to get away with it. But see, my key is, it doesn't make a difference really who it is. It's what we're doing. Each and every one of us as individuals. What are we doing? Yeah. We can look outside and say it's Trump. We can say it's the media. We can say it's the Republicans. But when all is said and done, when someone dropped that bomb in your house, are you spending your time searching for the person that put it in your house or are you trying to dismantle the bomb? Right. I'm trying to dismantle the bomb. Yeah, that's my friend. Now, afterwards, if I feel like it, which I may not want to, because it's already done. Yeah, it's already done. Ain't nothing you gonna do about it. So okay, so you catch the person. What are you gonna do? Put them in jail? Kill them? Do what? Oh, come on, stop. Yeah. Where were we going before they dropped the bomb in our house? And let's continue on that road. Now, you ain't make them pay the price because you can't let them still exist among you. But we got to do something, man. But it's up to us. If it is to be, it's up to me. That's yeah. how I feel. That's my mantra every time I wake up. If it is to be, it's up to me. I take full responsibility for the condition I find myself in. I know who put me in this situation, Hotep Jesus. I know who did this. I know how they did it. I know how they, they, they uh, tricked the world, yeah. lied, cheated, and stole. I know that. Yeah. But if you, give pow if you give a person the power to get you out of a position you also give them the power to keep you in it right the power is in me man algebra tells me this algebra gives me an equation there are variables that are going to solve your problem and only those variables can solve your problem mm -hmm. white folk are not a variable in my problem mm. 
It's up to me. You only have one enemy. And that's the, the negative energies within you that try to convince you that you cannot achieve your greatest wishes. Real talk. Uh, one of the brothers- Once you- No, go ahead, my bad. No, 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 I was just gonna end by saying, once you overcome that enemy within, everything else outside of you is an obstacle. It's not an enemy. Indeed, indeed. One of the brothers wanted you to expand more on, I guess provide more detail on this economic system that came out of Haiti that you were talking about after the uh, revolution. Yes. Well, you know, you know, when you study um, what happened before and during and after the revolution of Haiti, there were lines of men and women that were very astute, very intelligent. They were land-based. They may not have, some may not have been able to read French or, or Creole, but there was an innate natural intelligence within them. There were some that could, but they all came together and they developed a society for the people. In the early 1800s, Thomas Jefferson opposed Haiti because he was afraid of what would happen to enslaved Africans in the colonies. Had the nation, who happened to be the first democracy, they were the first term for a democracy, which means it's the it's for, by, and of the people. Mm -hmm. And the leaders coming from the ground up, from the plantations, understood the heart, soul, and mind of the people. And so they developed this economic system that would give people land, that would give people, and they encouraged them to improve on the land. And that is where they began to build their businesses, which frightened the United States and France and Spain and the other countries. And so this economic system that was built, and again, um, I'm trying to think because I took a course on, on revolutions and this was one of the books I'm trying to think of. Well, one book you can look at is called Capitalism and Slavery by, by I think it's uh, Eric Williams or C.L.R. James. I think it's uh, Eric Williams. But they're very different. That is why our neurons have to connect because we're defining things from Western terms, which is not helping us at all. Mm. And so the economy that you're talking about is a, a choice that people make. Is what? Nobody forces you. Huh? Right, right, right. Okay. Nobody's forcing you, right? No, because out of the out, out of the depth of the heart of justice and righteousness, you know what will make the society work. And when you see your brother or your sister on the corner without the ability to eat or to have a place to live, there's something that happens in a Ma'atian heart that says that shouldn't be like that. Now, there are many different reasons why that individual could be on the corner. I am using the example of the person that is there because they have no other choice. 
Life has given them the lot that puts them where they are. It is not because they want to get liquor or drugs or they're doing anything illegal. It is simply because they don't have a better way. Nobody should live like that ever. Your basic needs should be covered. Food, shelter, clothing. You know, you should, you should have that. Health. And out of IET came this concept that we are the people. Even the Polish and Italians that fought on the side of the African against the French, they, in one of the proclamations, they were made black. Even if they were white, they were turned black. Really? That's what let them stay in AT. And if you did not want to admit that you, if you did not accept that you were black, you had to leave. <laughs> That's how deep it got. <laughs> white folk were saying, I'm black. <laughs> oh, see that kind of mindset when you have that kind of mindset you can do anything that's why i say there is nothing more indomitable than the human spirit and yeah. don't ever forget that and don't ever give in to anybody else under any circumstance you can do whatever you choose to do and the time that you stop fulfilling your wishes is when you stop fulfilling your wishes not when someone else comes right we have to stop blaming other people for the condition we find ourselves in. Not that they didn't do it, not that they're not guilty of certain things. But like I say, if you give people the power to get you out, you give people the power to keep you in. Right, and right. you must determine for yourself where you're going to be and how you're going to be, no matter what. Yeah, that's my position on when Black people take that, oh, the government needs to become socialist. And I'm like, why are we putting that? that onus on them, why are they giving the responsibility for our people? We we have the ability to practice socialism on our own and, and do it without their system. So why would we ask them to do that? And we can do it and not call it socialism. Right, we can call it whatever we want. Yeah, because socialism is a catchword that scares people. It's like when I go into a church and I talk about life coming out of Africa, I don't talk about evolution. Because if oh. I started talking about evolution, half the church would get up and leave. <laughs> but when I use the term life history, nobody has a problem with that. Yeah. Evolution is a catchword that creates thoughts. Socialism is a catchword. I grew up in New York when every 12 noon they would ring a siren for fear of Russian attacks. Oh. We used to have to go to fallout shelter drills. I remember them three wow. times a year where the street had to be cleared. And there was little fallout shelters, there were signs yellow and black, they called it a fallout shelter, community centers, churches. They were fallout shelters that we were so much under fear of Russia attacking us that we went through drills every, about three times a year. But every 12 noon, the sirens would ring in New York City. And as a Catholic, we would do the sign of the cross. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I grew up during those times. And so we're all caught up in these words. So when you hear socialism, you think of Russia, you think of China, you think of control, you think of destruction. Right. You think of hurt and pain. So that's a catchword. I don't even care if you call it socialism because yeah. in Kiswahili it's not called socialism. Yeah. You know, in an African language it's not called communism. Yeah. So the word doesn't make a difference what you call it. What it is is that each one reach one. Yeah. 
I am my brother and sister's keeper. Yeah. I got your back. And that's the mentality that creates the economic system that allows civilizations to flourish. Right, right, right. When children are the center of the community that you advance them. When we love our children and bring them because we really want them and we love them and their presence amongst us, we enjoy. By the time I had children with my wife, I was ready to be a father. I was not ready to be a father before that. Yeah. But when it came time and I matured back in my late 20, uh, in my late 20s, I was ready. And so every one of the children that came, I looked forward to. I was willing to give up that money. It didn't make a difference if I got the newest clothing. Mm -hmm. I was just so happy to see my children. I was so happy to be around them and to laugh with them and to joke. And, you know, they became a new part of my life. Right. It wasn't about hanging out in the clubs. It was about going to the roller skating rink with them on Saturday morning at 10 o'clock. Yeah, real talk, real talk. You know, that's what it became. And that's what we have to look at in terms of society. And to the brothers, man, look, listen, civilizations ain't built on baby daddies. Let me tell you that. <laughs> you have to be committed. You have to be committed. Yeah. Because if you can walk away from your family, you can walk away from the nation. Uh. Uh, commitment to, 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 to a task at hand that you're going to do this. Mm, that's real. Is there, is there anything on the subject of artificial intelligence and solar energy that, that you wanted to touch on that we didn't touch on? Well, really, I just wanted us to understand that it's the future. I wanted them to know that there is a curriculum for it. And I'm sure there are many others. I know a organization in, um, in Sacramento, where the brother works with young people, they're creating solar panels and attache cases. They are creating relationships with Ghana and Nigeria to share information as to how to develop solar power in Nigeria and in West Africa. There are young West Africans and, and Africans in general, but I know of the West African ones that are doing it on their own and they're learning. And, and I just want, my main message to us is to understand the future wealth of the planet is solar power. That just becomes so important. And, and our children enjoy it. They, they like it. And with the experiments and activities that I've done with them, they've enjoyed themselves. And I just think that we have to get serious about this. Yeah. And I think right now where we are in the world, this is a time for us just to chill out and... Um, Think about where we're headed and what it is that we want to do. But I uh, congratulate you on your work in artificial intelligence. I, I hope that it gets to a point where people understand exactly what it is that you're attempting to tell them, because uh, that's the future. Yeah. You ain't going nowhere going to buy a typewriter now. <laughs> okay. Typewriters are out. Yeah. I'm not saying that you can't get antiques and things like that, but I'm saying typewriters are out. Yeah. Okay. Um, you ain't going to go to a place, get no video cassettes. They're there, but now you got DVD. You ain't going to get audio cassette. You got CD now. Everything advances. It yeah. moves ahead. CD ain't even so, around no more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, now it's streaming. Yeah. 
See, that's, you know, that's what I'm doing up on my website. I'm streaming a lot of my DVDs because I can bring the price down. Because uh, physical DVDs, I would charge $15. Right, because you got to print them because the case. Say again? Ship, you got to pay, pay for printing, the case for the DVDs, the shipping of the DVD. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All that's involved, you know? Yeah. And, you know, now that I'm streaming, I can bring a $15 DVD down to 99 cents. Right. I can bring a two-part down to $1.99. Mm-hmm. I, I can put work up on my website for free. I can put mm -hmm. e-courses up for free. I can put my study guide up, 45 pages, for free. I have other things that, are, uh, that have a price, but there are things I can put up free because the, the way the marketing works is that if you can go to my site and get something and you can read it for free and enjoy it, that's an incentive that maybe you want to support the brother, <laughs> you know? Because yeah. you know it's not all about the money with me. Right. There are a lot of things up on my website for free. That's information for the community. Yeah. It's business. We've got to do business. We have to understand how to do good business. And why I, why I do believe that we should support Black business, I tell Black business, you got to respect your customer. Don't think they just got to come to you because you're Black and that you can talk to them and treat them any way you want to. You can't. That's not good business. Yeah. When that person leaves your place or leaves your site or whatever it is, they ought to be so willing to share your work with other people because they think they got a good, honest business transaction. Yeah. And ain't nobody trying to hustle me out of my money. Yeah. That's how you do business. We taught the world business. Business came out of transportation and communication. Uh -huh. And when Africans started traveling, that's what we started doing. We started bringing in spices and 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 gold and silver and gems and things that the, that some folk had never seen before. And we gave them a decent price. And sometimes we just throw a couple nuggets at them just because I like your business. Yeah. Next time you came through the neighborhood, they say, "Hey, come, 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 come. <laughs> let's let's do business." Yeah. That's business, man. That's good business. That's the kind of business we need to be running. And not right. the hustle, not the hustle, the good business, the real business. Right, right. And so the work that you're doing in, in artificial intelligence, brother, it's the future. Oh, yeah. It's the future. And if people can understand that and just listen to you, listen to what you're telling them and open themselves up to understand, no matter how you may feel about stuff, just open yourself up to understand what the brother's saying. And in supporting you, they make your business stronger. Your business becoming stronger, you can do more work for your clients. More work you do for your clients brings more capital to you, more capital. So it's a cycle. You know, supply and demand. It's, it's just the way it is, man. And it's a beautiful thing. It's not a bad thing. It's just unfortunate the way we've been bamboozled. Yeah. Yeah. So may I encourage those of you who are listening, who are interested to uh, get the book I've written, Spirituality Before Religions, because a lot of what we talked about tonight is deeply embedded in this, Spirituality Before Religions, just looking at spirituality as unseen science and science as seen spirituality. Please go to my website, www.kabakamene.com, K-A-B-A-K-A-M-E-N-E.com. You can download my free e-course and my study guide and you'll, 
get updates on the work that I'm doing and the things that I have, the streamings, my DVDs and my eBooks. Because we need to move ahead, family. Information is gonna be part of what makes this happen. And uh, my brother, G Hotep Jesus, I just thank you for this opportunity. <laughs> I, you, know, you know, I've been catching your messages on, on Twitter and been following ideas and, and just things that you've done. So I just thank you for what you're doing. And I thank you for uh, uh, presenting me to your community of listeners, yeah. uh, followers and admirers. So I appreciate thank, thank you for this. Nah, thank you. It's like, you know, like a lot of people have different icons. You know, some people's icons might be Jay-Z and Beyonce. My icon was Kaba Kamene. <laughs> That's what I was looking up on YouTube, trying to get my learn on. You know, a lot of people ask me I get my information from. You're looking at the dude I get my information from. One, okay. of, the, one of the many teachers. You know, I, of course, you know, I go to the John Henry Clark and Dr. Oh, yeah. and all of that. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, like, I like what you add to the mix, too, because, you know, okay. um, it, the information evolves you know, as we get more information, the internet and everything. Yes, it does. Yes, it does, brother. Life is organic, brother. It grows as it goes. I suggest everybody go to his website and send a link to the description box below. I'm really enjoying the series that's that's being sent out. I think I'm on like number four or five. Okay. And I'm enjoying the information. Um, I think number two for me was like remedial or basic, but for like other people, I'm like, yo, y'all need to start right here. <laughs> which one, brother? Huh? Which 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 one is it that you're talking about? Um, the one that's more about the cosmic and okay. how it relates. Oh yeah, uh, and how it relates to the physical world, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Like, um, I study that heavy. Like, that's 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 one of my hobbies to study the, the cosmic, the soul, um, the kanaba. Uh, you know, I study all that as as like uh, as a religion. You know, as my own faith system. Okay. Um, so when I was reading some of that, it was like, ah, this is kind of basic for me. You know. But some of the other stuff for me, you know, um, was like really refreshing. It's like, oh wait, hold on, let me go look this up. You know, it's a good good uh, springboard to start uh, researching from. Yeah. Um, but I think for well, some I'm, people. Yeah, man. Well, I'm glad that you said that because for some people they need to start there. For those of you who have a certain amount of information and have gone into it, it could be elementary. Yeah. But for some people who have never been exposed to this, it could be mind blowing. It's my I'm telling you, the one the one that was elementary for me, for new people, it's gonna be mind blowing. It absolutely is mind blowing. Because when I started reading, I'm like, yo, if people run into this, I looked at it like this is what people need to be studying. Mm. Right. And I think you're the perfect voice for that. You have the perfect attitude and demeanor to deliver these messages. Me, I'm I'm a I'm an anarchist, you know. Um, I'm not I'm not saw speaking nothing. I'm cussing you out. <laughs> I got no patience. I got patience in real life, but I got no patience for ignorance. <laughs> so I like I like I like that you know yes. you exist. And and you know I'm not far from you, but as a scorpion man, I learned how to control that anarchy in me. Yeah. Because I realized that I'm talking to a group of people that may not be able to handle that. Yeah. See, my audience is my audience. My audience is children. Okay. But I also often said that Dr. Khalid Muhammad was the Europeans' best friend. Oh. He was a good doctor because he told you that you were sick. He didn't sugarcoat it. He put it right on the table for you to see it and understand it. Yeah. 
and and that is the way it needs that voice needs to be heard i've often said his voice needed to be heard everybody can't be talking about ebony and ivory living in harmony <laughs> you know so that it's important to have all those voices out there yeah and all those approaches because it all works there's no one way this is going to happen right they all got all of us together gonna make it happen yeah and i'm down for it brother i was born i was born ready so i never had to get ready hey real talk <laughs> i aspire to i aspire to get to your level one day <laughs> like if i get to your your maturity level i'll be really surprised and happy with myself but the way i'm looking at at the trajectory of where I'm going right now, oh my God, it's definitely like, it's not Khaled, cause he was, you know, you seen him on, hey. in Kane College, like I'm not going that hard. <laughs> okay. But the way I'm choosing my demographic, I'm, 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 I, what I found was when you mince words, you tend to get a pretentious crowd. Mm -hmm. And I don't want a pretentious crowd, I want a crowd that you know, no matter how I talk, they're just, they're not, they're not paying attention that they're, they're looking for the deeper meaning and the yeah. following that's coming through has been, has been quite rich. Yeah. Um, because of those tactics. Um, Absolutely. You know, and but, that's good because that's your audience. Yeah. You got to know your audience. Yeah. And if you choose an audience and then speak, unlike your audience wants to hear, then you're in trouble. Oh, yes. <laughs> choose your audience and understand, like Malcolm said, speak in the language you're spoken to yeah if you pick an audience that wants to hear certain things a certain way that is how you speak to them okay it's just simple like that yeah. and you're one step ahead of the game anyway and so you will evolve into a, a a very productive if not you already a productive brother but you will mature as you go along you'll get better at what you do what dr clark used to always tell me is perfect your craft yeah perfect your craft yeah. And you always say, be prepared. Real talk. Shout out to Kristen supporting. Appreciate you. She said, thank you for your time. Much appreciated. Shout out to Danielle. She said, support the nation. That's right. Support Hotep Nation, 501c3 nonprofit organization here to support the families across the nation. Um, Doc, I appreciate you. Oh, Once man. again, thank you. Um, I'm going to bring you back again in the next coming months. Next time we're gonna get like real specific on one topic. I don't know what it is, but um the other thing I can share my screen and actually go through a lesson on solar power. How do you teach it? Yeah. Yeah, because on Zoom you can share your, I'm sure you can do it on other platforms too, but I can right. see because I use Zoom most of the time. I can share my screen and we can do a whole PowerPoint on uh, AI. I can show you some things in AI that I've been doing research on my own. Cause I'm I wouldn't say I'm new at it but I'm growing in it. Okay. And like, like I bought a book called AI for Children written by a 12 year old young lady named Hamza Giridhar. Mm -hmm. That's how I started Okay. reading the 12 year olds. Cause she said that a lot of the information out there was too heavy for children. Mm -hmm. So she wanted to break it down in a way that it could be understood. So I got a book AI for children, for kids. And then I, and, and then I got the book called Reality where the A and the I of reality are capital. And there's a section in there at the end that, that why I bought the book, it says uh, what parents should be teaching children about AI. Mm. And then I got another book uh, by a sister, Ruha Benjamin, Race After Technology, 
that talks about the impact that AI is going to have for black folk. Uh. And then I have a book by Michio Kaku, Physics of the Future, where he has a chapter on AI. So I'm combining all of that to create a curriculum okay. around artificial intelligence, uh. which I'll break down according to grades and okay. who I'm talking to. Again, going back to audience, I'll see where my audience is. Okay. But I'd like to come back and just do something just on Hamza's book on AI for kids. Okay. And include the one section of, of, of the book that deals with um, what parents should be doing with their children for AI. Okay. And maybe do a little solar power, but this ain't gonna be the, this is the first time, not gonna be the last time, Hotep, Jesus. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna plug you in. Hopefully, um, can I bring you back in April? It's oh, we'll work it out, brother. Let's keep talking. We'll, we'll get a date like this. All right. You know, and we'll be able to uh, rock it, brother. We, you know, we're gonna chop it up with the community and 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 keep this going. It ain't over till we win, family. That's what <laughs> we want. It ain't over till we win. We just keep on keeping on. And if our ancestors could do what they did on the plantation, I'm embarrassed to think I'm having it hard. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's not easy. I know that it's not easy, and I consider myself blessed. But considering what our ancestors went through, I just bless them and thank them for doing what they did in yeah. order to get us where we are today. And I will dedicate my life to continuing the work that they started. Harriet Tubman did not do what she did for us to end up thinking that this is all going to fall apart. <laughs> Harriet Tubman saw a time beyond us yeah. where Dr. King was right. We are going to get to the promised land. That's the good news. Mm -hmm. Bad news, if some of us don't modify our behavior, a lot of us ain't going to make it. So. <laughs> Real talk. Real hey, hey, man, let's get real, okay? Yeah. Your priorities, you better get your priorities straight because if you don't get your priorities straight, nature does not guarantee you got to be around. <laughs> you know. So please, family, go to Amazon if you want to. Look up spirituality before religions. I think at this time it would be, and since we have a lot of time to sit, and think and read this is a good time to do some reading this is a good book for you to read yeah. just to take it in and to understand exactly the dynamics of the future Real so tough. my brother hotel jesus thank you man i appreciate you in the comedic language we say dua which means thank you dua -u means eternal thank you dua -u for all that you do and for this opportunity uh, to be able to talk to to you and to your community and to our community it ain't over till we win. Real talk. Do I ooh? Y'all heard it. Shout out to Dre West with the, with the two dollar super chat. He said, "Thank you, Elder." All right. So yeah, we are gonna talk. We are gonna figure out next time. Bring you back. We definitely going through that PowerPoint presentation. Sounds good, brother. I look forward to it. You stay safe. Stay sound, brother. Regards right. to you and to yours and all that you love, and just keep on keeping on because it ain't over till we win. <laughs> Real talk. Appreciate you, homie. Bless.